Hello there, dear listeners. I am bringing you a probably unexpected conversation. I haven't had a guest on in a while on the show. Been so busy doing these deep dives and monologues on unsavory IDW characters. So I thought maybe a change would be nice and that I should dust some cobwebs off my conversational skills and chat with Chris Kavanaugh of Decoding the Gurus podcast. He is also an IDW critic. I'm sure we have many overlapping listeners, so you probably know him already. Why, yes, you are tuning in, basically, to hear two podcasts that talk about podcasts, talk to each other on a podcast, about more podcasts, and also to discuss our respective podcasts about podcasts, if that makes any sense. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Jokes aside, though, there is a bit of a background to why I wanted to have this chat. So let me try and sum that up quickly in case someone is tuning in with fresh ears, uh, someone that doesn't follow the IDW sphere and its critics very closely. I did notice while editing our conversation that there were a lot of parts that were quite inside baseball-y. I guess when you cover this stuff so frequently, you tend to assume that everyone listening at this point is at least somewhat familiar with all the surrounding little backstories and characters and stuff. So my apologies if something or someone wasn't adequately explained. I did add a couple of clips after the fact of conversations that were being referenced. At other times, there were various podcast episodes that were being referred to, like my 2016 conversation with Sam Harris, as well as Chris's recent conversation with him. I will link both of those in the show notes. And uh, he referenced my recent episode on Rogan a couple of times, I think, as well as my mini-series on Harris Woking Up, both of which I will also link. Other than that, we mentioned an Alex Jonesian conspiracy theory book called Eurabia, where Harris pulled some Muslim birth rate fear-mongering from. We talked about former neo-Nazi Christian Picciolini that Harris had this big public falling out with because he thought Christian was too harsh on Stefan Molyneux. I actually had a conversation with Christian not too long after that went down. I will link that in the notes too. So if you want to hear more backstory on that whole thing, you can look there and hear directly from Christian. I think that should cover what I thought people might not know. Um, But anyway... So yeah, I wanted to have this chat for two reasons mainly. One, because I thought it would be interesting to compare notes with someone else who has had a similar sort of conversation with Harris where there was quite a bit of pushback. And the second reason is that in Chris's chat with Sam, he played a clip of my chat with Sam. And in passing mentioned that I was not a fan of their show, Decoding the Gurus, either. But that's all that was said. Understandably, they were in the middle of another conversation. But I ended up getting a bunch of DMs and emails after that from people asking why I am not a fan or what my thoughts on Decoding the Gurus are. So I thought it might be good to elaborate on our differences. And maybe then people can stop asking me about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I tried to keep the two parts of the conversation separate so that they wouldn't interfere with one another. This first episode is just us comparing notes on experiences with Harris. 
If you're more interested in my critique slash our differences, that is covered in the second episode. Both episodes are available to patrons immediately, so if you're not subscribed there, you should do that now so you can get this mammoth-sized, extremely rational conversation all at once. We actually had a pretty good chat, I think. It ended up being four hours long, so I had to split it into two episodes. Um, so as not to torture everyone with a four-hour release. And despite the length of it, we still couldn't get through everything I wanted to touch upon because you know how normal human conversations go. You get sidetracked and go on tangents and things. But it was certainly good to clear some things up and also interesting to hear Chris's thoughts after he's had some time to, I guess, process his discussion with Sam. Surprisingly, in this part of the conversation, we agreed way more than I expected to. As many of you will know, my experiences with several man podcasters in the IDW critical sphere even haven't been so great. Surely you remember Merge Gate. So this was a nice change. As for our differences, I guess you can sum them up as what would naturally arise between more centrist critique of the IDW and more left-leaning critique, where I might perceive something as softballing or minimizing, and he might perceive the way in which I criticize certain figures to be too harsh, maybe. But we'll save the details of that for the next part. I did want to stress, though, in case it didn't come across in the chat, that I do think very much that Harris not being an anti-vaxxer is an extremely low bar, especially when he has propped up and highly praised so many of these figures that have turned out to be misinformation-spreading hacks now. And especially, also, as he sympathizes with the wokeness-made-me-do-it shoddy reasoning. And I think you do not gotta hand it to people like Claire Lehman of Quillette, since I feel that legitimizes her for also crossing the lowest bar in the universe. We didn't get to dive too deeply into those differences, but I did feel I needed to highlight them here. So I would be happy to hear feedback, pushback, or criticism from Chris on that. Anyway, I think Chris was very generous with his time and having a fairly centrist audience that often does not like me apart from our overlapping listeners. I think he definitely deserves some credit for coming on here and even agreeing with things that will probably upset a whole bunch of people. So hey, kudos for that. And now, the episode. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects. And uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina. Keeping it non-controversial. Hello and welcome to Polite Conversations, everyone. I am having a guest on after what seems like forever. Today I will be speaking with a fellow IDW critic, someone with a bit of a different approach to mine, and many of you will know Chris Kavanaugh from the Decoding the Gurus podcast. So hello, Chris. How's it going? Hello, Aina. Good 
evening, I guess, for you, and good morning for, for me. International Skyping. No wonder. That's right. You're talking to us from the next day. That's right. And it's no better today. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, oh. it's not got any better. Uh, everything's still going to shit. I'm sorry. Damn it. But at least we're able to have this conversation, so we will save civilization a little bit. The, the, that is true. It's hard to overestimate the power of long-form <laughs> podcasting. Perhaps, perhaps it might be, it might be arrogant to say, but we might be able to save Ukraine. Oh my I, god! You know this conversation. Oh who knows? my god! Who knows? <laughs> I was afraid you were going to make that joke, but I, I did uh, set you up for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I, I will say just to be clear that I don't think the situation in Ukraine at all. Is a is a laughing uh, matter. It's more that I genuinely think that various people that we might talk about will present their podcasts as being the potential salvation for that conflict. So yeah, I I apologize <laughs> about this joke. It's a terrible event. Just to be clear, right, right, yeah. Um, so. It's uh, interesting talking to you because I think a lot of people have wanted us to talk to each other for a while. Mm. And uh, yeah, I got a chance to hear your Sam Harris podcast a while ago and <laughs> thought it was very interesting. And, and very long. <laughs> yes, very long. Very long. A lot. You know, I listened to a bunch of your episodes to prepare for this conversation god bless you i'm very sorry and I'm very sorry. yeah like you don't make it any easier than any other idw member no like every conversation you guys have is like three hours long as well yeah and that's the edited uh, down version um i i like i i prefer to blame it on just the tendency amongst academics to be long long-winded um but it but it also it's partly a function of you know we we always do this thing where we're supposed to look at a single piece of mm -hmm. content and then when we're doing it we end up adding like two or three more as i'm, as I'm sure you're familiar like your recent episode right you finished recording then yeah sam releases a his take on joe rogan <laughs> and then you you kind of feel like okay i've got all these clips and i I want to mention this point, you know, and maybe you don't need to, but it, it feels like you're not doing it justice if you don't, um, if you don't cover it. So yeah, we, we definitely lean towards keeping more stuff in, which is, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, your mileage on that may, may vary, but, um, I think it's in our nature as academic -y type people to, to be long-winded. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not an academic at all, and uh, I can still relate because I have trouble <laughs> cutting things down as well because I think it's also a bit just to do with these this whole IDW sphere. It's, there's a lot of slipperiness happening, and it's hard to pin down things unless you have a lot of wider context around it. Yeah, I I spoke recently to I I'm sure you're familiar with him, Timba on Toast. Mm -hmm. He makes like YouTube videos. He did a good one on Dave Rubin, and set, I think it was a seven part series on James O'Keefe. Mm -hmm. Um, and it 
And he's currently doing the series on Tim Pool. And when we talked to him, you know, you would imagine like debunking Tim Pool. You know, what's the to debunk? He's a he's a cretin, right? Yes. You know, like he's yeah. a he, he's a really stupid guy. But for to kind of highlight even how somebody like him is being duplicitous and you know presenting themselves as one way and so on, it took him like months and months of collating the clips, you know, and then mm -hmm. editing. And it, his videos are very effective, but it's it's kind of regrettable that people have to go to that length to demonstrate something which seems like it should be obvious just from looking at the thumbnails on his <laughs> YouTube channel, you know, but, but it, it isn't for lots of people. So, um, yeah, I think this is something that many people find when they're trying to debunk that the amount of effort to highlight what people are doing is much greater than the people can kind of spew out their talking points, like, you know, James Lindsay style. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and Sam Harris style also, but <laughs> yeah, indeed. And that, you know, the, um, in, I know I, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll get onto, but in the conversation I had with Sam, um, and I, I listened to your conversation in preparation before I listened to a bunch of conversations, actually. But um, he, you did a better job than I did of Sam kind of goes on extended monologues mm -hmm. for, you know, a lot. And and he'll put in a whole bunch of, of points and in response to a question, which are kind of not really related, but they raise different issues. And then when it comes to your chat, you know, your point where you have a chance to speak, you're kind of like, okay, well, there's eight things I need to respond to there, but I've only got, <laughs> you know, two minutes before I'll have to hand back. So, yeah, that that that's frustrating. Yeah, it's like a gish gallop technique, kind of. Yeah, and I, I will say I haven't been on the receiving end of that that much from, you know, I've been interested in conspiracy theories and so on, but I haven't. I don't. I haven't debated conspiracy theories or, or conspiracy theorists or creationists like in a audio format, and and that's it. It's surprisingly difficult <laughs> to deal with um, when you are experiencing it firsthand. So, as I say, when I listened to your interview, I think in part because you were more willing to, you know. Uh, like interrupt and say no 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 that's not that's not the point I'm making and uh, mm -hmm. yeah that uh, I, I wasn't particularly effective with that but uh, yeah well I am just a crazy woman right so. that's your advantage <laughs> but I don't <laughs> I don't think that I I am excluded from the criteria of like unhinged critics in in Sam's perspective but <laughs> you think but maybe. I, I'm not quite in the the pantheon that you've reached. You, Ezra Klein, and Robert Wright mm. are seemingly like you know mortal enemies, <laughs> and Glenn Greenwald as well. <laughs> yeah, well, so Ezra Klein has the intellectual and moral integrity of the KKK, if I'm remembering correctly. That's what he said about wow. uh, Salon and Vox. Yeah, writers. I'm I'm meeting the, the the same level of demagoguery and dishonesty and cynicism and just mere gamesmanship 
on the left, you know, much, much closer to to where you know we all are living. Like so, it's like just in interacting with a reporter from, you know, Salon or or Vox, right? Like 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 who's who's there? I'm meeting someone who essentially has the intellectual and moral integrity of the guy in the white hood, mm -hmm. you know, over on the right, and that asymmetry is uh, is just totally alarming to me. Yeah. So I know. So we'll just do a couple more minutes on politics, and then yeah. we'll shift to some stuff. So slightly hyperbolic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just a tad, um, especially when you know. Nazis are nowhere and the KKK is nowhere and it's all extremely fringe. It's just bizarre that there would be so many Nazi-like people all over Vox and uh, Salon. And I'm just crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I, I watched, uh, I don't know if you've seen that, um, the, it's on the BBC, but Louis Ferrou has a new series and he, his first episode was about... Oh, basically, you know, the new manifestation of the alt-right, um, mm. uh, Nick, Nick Fuentes and Beat Alaska and all that. And, you know, it looks very, very familiar. And the fringe of the fringe seems to have a significant audience um, and one that, you know, reaches into the Republican Party or or the right wing institutions in the US quite far. So Right. So yeah, I, I, I just feel that like maybe watching some of those documentaries might be helpful. Louis Ferrou's documentaries are entertaining as well. So maybe somebody could forward it to Sam. <laughs> Do you think really it's about not knowing or just not accepting? Because, I mean, he does say things like, you know, they are fringe of the fringe apart from capturing the presidency. Yeah, I I, I cannot square the, the, the logic of that kind of statement very clearly. But I also think <laughs> there is a degree of willful... Uh, blindness because for example when I brought up Tucker Carlson with Sam and what he's doing on Fox News he was very quick to say you know I don't I don't watch Tucker I don't know um, his content so I can't really comment on that but I mean mm. I don't live in the US I don't watch Fox but I, I see the same clips everyone else does on social media and it's not hard to see what mm -hmm. Tucker's doing and it's uh so I, I find, you know, if you ask, is Sam being honest when he says that? I, I, it's hard for me to tell if he is being, you know, willfully blind to that or that he, you know, that he is extending charity in an ex extremely uneven manner towards people that are the targets of left-wing criticism um, because that seems to be a recurrent pattern. So, uh, yeah. Right. Well, from your conversation with him, it seemed like you did have your mind kind of made up about him having a very imbalanced perception yeah. of yeah. I mean, these things. Like, it is. Right? It is a very clear pattern. And you played the clip from my conversation with him in 2016 pointing out the troubling 
uh, stuff with Gad and Ruben, to which he responded, you know, that I just must be mistaken because <laughs> they, they are extremely ethical people with a very journalistic <laughs> agenda. And, yeah, um, I, I mean, the thing that surprised me about that was partly what I anticipated, probably naively, was that, you know, when faced with kind of criticism, pointing out some of these issues and, and blind spots, that Sam might take the opportunity to moderate his position and to mention, you know, that he he had made some mistakes or, or, or judgments that, you know, now he would regret and he, he should have spotted the warning signs. But but that wasn't the, the way that he responded. And um, <laughs> he, when it came to, you know, the fact that you, it, when I listened to that episode, because I'd heard you on your content mention, you know, that you didn't want to go back and listen to it because it was a number of years ago and you yeah. might feel, you know, a bit uncomfortable, uh, you know, being charitable to, to Sam, given the what you've documented since then. But when I went back and listened, I was, because uh, I, I hadn't heard it the first time around, I think, and I was really impressed that, you know, even though you you were being you know uh, polite and 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 nice to Sam, you you still really clearly laid out the problems, and you didn't you know back down whenever he issued the points about the, his kind of standard rebuttal about it. You know, you were saying, but I've I've laid out to you the kind of people mm -hmm. that they're platforming, the kind of things they're saying. So why would you not acknowledge that now? And it it struck me that when a lot of people talk about. Um, these kind of issues like Brett Weinstein or whatever, they kind of presented as if there were not people making reasonable critiques and right, uh, highlighting these issues clearly, right? It's always presented as it was like the extreme left wing just, you know, attacking anybody who um, went off the orthodoxy. But that conversation was really clear and, and laid out the problems. And then... Uh, yeah, as you say, his reaction was to kind of say, well, you you haven't understood this properly. And if I could sit you down in the room with Dave, you'd see that he's a, a good person. And it, it felt like <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. But I was willing to do that. I was happy to speak with Dave. And I, you know, I think it would still be pretty hilarious to do that now. Like I wouldn't yeah. be against it. But, um, yeah, it's Dave that would, you know, that blocked me and didn't even want to talk about any issues, even on Twitter, you know, even though he supposedly was such a great ally to ex-Muslims, I would even say, like, hey, you know, as an ex-Muslim, like, before I knew much about Dave, I tweeted to him, I think, like, hey, you know what, from what I've seen, you know, I think you are an ally to ex-Muslims, but I think that you're going... You're, you're wrong here. Like, uh, people like Tommy Robinson or Pat Condell are not mm. good people. They're not good critics of Islam. And he just, you know, he just blocked me for that kind of stuff. So, But the, the thing that strikes me as interesting is that, they, so even if you, you know, were undo, unduly charitable and took it as, well, you know, they... they they were acting in good faith at that moment then and, and they, they just didn't see, you know, the signs that people were pointing out. The bit that I don't get and, and still seems really prevalent is that now right, it, it's 2022. So you can look back and you can see the trajectory of all these people. You can see what happened on COVID and you can say, okay, 
So I missed something. And, the you know, I the heterodox sphere has some problem that a large percentage of it went into COVID denialism and, like, great reset conspiracies. Like, that's, that's an issue, and I didn't identify that. And yet it does seem that not just Sam, but a whole range of people, they, they kind of see it as, oh, those people went crazy, and it's impossible to explain what happened. It's, it's like kind of a mystery. And it, it doesn't seem that mysterious. <laughs> it seems that, you know, they, they were always more tolerant to right-wing narratives and, and applying double standards, and they, they got love-bombed by the right, and then, you know, a bunch of them also had long-standing conspiracy tendencies. So, yeah, it, it, I, I do think that there's a kind of lacking thing in the whole heterodox sphere towards acknowledging the things that they didn't pick up on um, with Brett Weinstein and, and, and you know, Gadsad and the whole crew, James Lindsay. <laughs> right. I mean, even... In your conversation with Sam, when you played him that clip, he said to you something like, oh, you know, back then I didn't, you know, know enough about them to know how bad they were, even though he's the one that knew them personally and he's the one that used to share their awful content that I actually specifically pointed out to him within our conversation. And I was like, hey, you see, this is what they're doing is that they're putting out these people into the world without much context around them, like Anne-Marie Waters, who's too extreme for fucking UKIP. Mm. But, um, Sam, here you are tweeting that out to everyone and saying this is like a brilliant conversation. Yeah. It's not that he didn't know enough. Mm. It's that he liked it. Mm. He liked what they were putting out. And I don't know why... He can't just admit that he was wrong in retrospect, like because it is beyond obvious now how wrong he was in judging so many people. And I do appreciate that you tried to push back on that a fair bit, uh, though he didn't let you talk much. And I think your co-host just completely tapped out after a while. <laughs> yeah, we were communicating via, you know, the the chat box about like the way to ask questions to to make them more effective but none of it like there there was an attempt where i kind of said okay i'm going to uh you know front load the question by saying okay let me just outline two points right and then i'll give you a chance to respond but usually that makes people not respond until you outline the two points but right (laughs) uh, but sam is somewhat unique in that that they didn't prevent them from, from uh, like, <laughs> jumping in at points. So the uh, the one thing that struck me, I know, and it, it struck me when I was listening back to the conversation, I mean, I also brought up the point with Sam about, the, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if there was a 50-50 chance that France would fall into civil war <laughs> within 10 years. Because um, when, right, when right. I, I, was, I was listening to that when I was driving back in the car, and I remember going like, <sighs> you know, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> do, that's, what are you talking about? And it, that felt like a very extreme claim, even by the standards. You know, yes, there had been the Bastille attack and all that, but, but that's talking about a civil war in a, you know, Western democracy um in within a decade yeah and i i find that very extreme and you highlighted you know 
I don't know the figures, I have to say, as well as you do about, you know, Anne-Marie Waters, and I, I'm aware of Tommy Robinson and um, and some of those figures. But it, the fact that, like, you know, Sam would say that those people are saying very sensible things about immigration, about the threats of Islam, and so on. Yes, specifically those topics, too. The things that they are... It's not like he's like, oh, you know, she has some good recipes that she puts on YouTube or whatever, yeah. completely unrelated. I, he is specifically interested in her views on immigration, and Tommy Robinson, like he said to Mariam Namazi in a conversation, again, like, you know, I don't know enough about him, so I'm not really defending him, but if you listen to his conversation with Dave Rubin, again, something else that he promoted, it, he is making perfect sense in that conversation. There is nothing, absolutely nothing bigoted that he says there. And um, I'll give you an example of this. So, for instance, Tommy Robinson just did an interview with Dave Rubin where he made sense, really perfect sense, for an hour and did not say a single bigoted thing. Right now, I'm not very familiar with Tommy Robinson. I, I don't live in the UK. And I just know that he is under the shadow of more or less constant accusations of racism and bigotry. And yet I hear him speak for an hour, and even when pressed on the topic of past associations with bigots, he made perfect sense and talked about how he left the EDL because of those racist elements that came into it. There is nothing, absolutely nothing bigoted that he says there. And then I went back and re-listened to the Dave Rubin conversation with Tommy Robinson, because I remember finding it like horrifying even in 20. 16 or 15 or whenever it was yeah and it is like borderline white nationalists you know like hordes and hordes of muslim men are coming to rape our women and uh you know somali immigrants are coming and it's just it's horrifying and that specific conversation is what he said was that you know, if you don't know anything about Tommy and you heard that, you'd think he was perfectly reasonable. Well, no, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's extremist even in that. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't like his background was hidden at that, at that time, either. You know, the, it, it, this is this is something that I've noted as a uh, like something which I, I definitely think Sam lacks, and I think a whole bunch of people. Another, you know, interest of mine is the Weinsteins and they are lacking in this regard as well, is that they, so you, right, after Sam referenced that conversation, you went back and listened to it and checked, mm -hmm. right? You, you kind of were like, okay, I remember it like this, but it wasn't as bad as I remember. So you went and did the annoying mm -hmm. thing of going and listening to a conversation. But a lot of times with Sam and, and others in that space, they'll, they'll kind of reference their impression and if you say something like, you know, I, I asked them, you know, you were talking about the Christchurch Shooter Manifesto. You talked about it like three times on a podcast over a couple of months. Yeah. But you didn't read it, right? It takes like 30 minutes yeah. to read. And you're, you were debating with people about what the content <laughs> means, but you, you, didn't, you didn't read it. And that like tendency to not do research or to, you know, not, not just like 
okay, so is Tommy Robinson okay? Spend two days. Like, do some research on what he's done and what his background is. See, I actually tried to raise this point about Stefan Molyneux, and we got sidetracked on the right. Christian uh, Piccolucci. Picciolini. Picciolini, yeah. And I, the point I wanted to make with the Stefan Molyneux um, raising was not actually to do with that, although, you know, we ended up debating like what the technical definition of Holocaust denial is, but um, in, Jesus Christ, yeah <laughs> in, I remember that But what I wanted to point out to Sam was that with that uh, Stephen Molyneux stuff, before any conversation with Christian there was about three years where Stephen was brought up periodically um, in Sam's monologues mm -hmm. and at one point he mentioned that he was the second most requested guest after Jordan Peterson um, and his monologues oh were always saying, now, I've heard bad things about this guy. I've seen some concerning clips, but I haven't researched it. I haven't looked into it. I know that people get smeared. Yeah. So I, I don't want to take a position. And, like, that's okay the first time. Yeah. But when it's, you know, a year has passed and you're still saying, I don't want to pass judgment. There's this guy that people are calling white nationalist. I don't know. And I, I kind of think, like, if this is the second most requested guest and people are saying he's a white nationalist and he'll, he'll convert into a Trump apologist, right? But oh, why, why not spend, you know, even, God forbid, a couple of days to do the research on Stephen Molyneux's content and, and then take a position? Because it's not hard to discover all the terrible misogynistic, you know, racist stuff that, that Molyneux had put out, even Joe Rogan managed to unearth like some clips on his second appearance on his show. So I, I really do criticize Sam and, and others within the IDW for that. Like it's either uh, like charitable blindness or it's strategic uh, ignorance so that they don't have to condemn someone that, you know, maybe some of their audience would, would like. And, you know, you can take the cynical or non-cynical perspective, but in either case, both things are bad. Um, now, which one do you lean towards? Well, so with Stefan Molyneux specifically, I I think it's similar to the Christchurch shooter manifesto, where I think Sam is so confident in his takes and his parsing of, you know, what the real issues are, that he, he kind of doesn't think that's the real topic or he has better things to concern himself with than, you know, people talking about the outright growing on YouTube channels or that kind of thing. I think he regarded that as a moral panic um, promoted by the woke left and that our real concerns, you know, were uh, the rise of, like, Islamism and, and, and all Well, of and also kids reading what ibram kendi in high schools yes and, and, and i mean that's the that's you've done this really clearly <laughs> on your episodes like kind of exhaustively but you know the when you contrast how confident that sam or other people in the idw they are with just condemning all liberal institutions all of academia all of left-wing media as like corrupted and untrustworthy and it's you know, we, we, we cannot trust those sources anymore. And then when it comes to right-wing stuff like Tucker Carlson, which to me, it's a it's a free ball for people, you know, at least to just have a little bit of both-siders. 
defense if they just say yeah that stuff is terrible too but even then mm-hmm. a bunch of them find it really hard to say you know they take the stance well i haven't watched it and i i know that fox news is bad but everyone knows that so we don't need to spend time on it but meanwhile yeah peter bergosian is currently in hungary you know giving lectures yeah. for orban's government and that to me seems you know if you were somebody that was concerned about radicalization and about you know creeping totalitarianism and stuff you have to be concerned about what's happening on the right um like if i don't see how you can do it evenly but you know if if you really have to do it evenly you have to at least recognize what's happening on the right and there there does seem to be a willful blindness or a sympathy there that uh mm. that goes unacknowledged. So you lean more towards the willful blindness then as opposed to just not doing research every single time. It depends on it depends on the character but I I definitely don't think it's like it's an evenly distributed, you know, willful <laughs> blindness to topics like there's there's much greater sympathy if you take Sam like displayed towards Tucker Carlson than to like a public figure like AOC right and i know that he would yeah. frame that as well that's because you know AOC is on my side like the liberal side so i feel fine being more mm. critical of her but like <laughs> but really i mean how much are some and other people praising AOC for the parts that they agree on like like nothing yeah <laughs> right so this is all stuff that people used to say about ruben like this is all the exact same excuses you know cleaning up my own side that's why i don't even talk about the right and what was the other thing oh yeah i don't know i didn't have enough time or i didn't know enough about this guy that's why i can't take a stance on him ruben mm. used to use all these same excuses i mean ruben even said he didn't have the budget like what budget do i have like <laughs> it's uh, it's hard i'm a freelance you know <laughs> yeah i don't have a budget but i have google and i can just look people up so that's no. just a nonsense excuse that's yeah it's very hard that you need the extra finance in order to get right wing criticism <laughs> in, as we know <laughs> and uh like you know even when you asked him about this uh eurabia bullshit that he's published it is so unhinged it's like alex jonesian yeah. level of ridiculous you know and even after the christchurch massacre he didn't take a pause to think like shit you know that was very wrong of me because people online were pointing out <sighs> that how similar that rhetoric is to the great replacement rhetoric in the manifesto, right? Yeah. It may not use the same blatant words, but it is that, you know, the ominous birth rates of Muslims and it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's in Douglas Murray's content as well, right? Like and I'm not very not hidden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which Sam finds impeccable actually. Yeah. But what was his response to you? It was, well, I don't know. I'm not a demographer. Yeah. Yeah, which is <laughs> that and he kind of pointed out that there were mainstream figures who had kind of entertained those dem- demographic projections as well, but it was like Ross Dow had and stuff, right? From my own research, I know that it was the the kind of like 
some of the you know center right neocon types were the ma- the majority of people who were endorsing that kind of view, which is kind of predictable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they're neocons. <laughs> they're not pretending that all their biases are with the left. Yeah, I think on a similar note, and I I only noticed this. I think it would have been this year, or, or uh, it might have been even been in preparation for the interview I did with Sam, but. Uh, so he has a quite famous article, which he published not that long after 9-11 I can, uh, in a magazine that was kind of saying we need the, the West needs to fight back about, you know, ex- Islamic extremism and uh, we need to stand up for Western values and all this. And that article was it was quite saber rattly, um, you know, after 9-11. OK, but the. It was quite what? Sorry, Sabre Ratley, You know, kind of uh, like it was. It isn't the kind of thing that would have annoyed George Bush. Put it like that, right? The uh, it, it would be in line with the. We need to be robustly responding and and kind of promoting Western values in the face of this right, uh, right. existential threat. And uh, and there's a mild version of that which everyone agrees with, which is you know we don't want totalitarian theocracies. We want like representative democracies and and like equal rights so like that part everyone can sign off on so you don't really need to only the insane tankies or or crazy people who, mm-hmm. who don't that, that's a really you know you I, I think you don't need to spend that much time on on giving yourself a backpack for not wanting to live in a theocracy but the <laughs> the the point about that article was it appeared in the Washington Times the Washington Times is like the Mooney outlet I pretty uh, openly promoting right-wing uh, you know rhetoric narratives whatever way you want to put it and it's a it's a newspaper that is like run by a cult and it just that struck me as like really surprising that that wouldn't seem uh, you know cognitive distance but I honestly don't know and I, I didn't ask Sam about it I think I forgot but uh, whether he knew the what the Washington Times is um, when he wrote the article for it, or whether he thinks it matters, because I, it, it could be either, right? He might not have done any research. Well, you know, he takes this stance on, you know, how the source shouldn't really matter as long as you agree with the information or whatever. Like, he's often said, like, you know, I would take a point from Hitler um, mm. if he was right about something, yeah. you know? However... He's not consistent in that because if something is in Salon or Vox or when Lawrence Krauss' accusations came out in BuzzFeed News, he did a whole thing on his podcast saying that he couldn't, you know, he didn't take it seriously at the time because it was BuzzFeed News. Mm. And yeah, it's like, okay, so (laughs) you'll take a point from Hitler, but not like BuzzFeed News. Not Ezra Klein. That's He's beyond the field. Not Ezra Klein. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I mean, I think your episodes, I and I, I know that there's a lot of people who are fans of Sam that, you know, won't won't listen to it. But I, I think that if they did, regardless if they agree, you know, overall with your, because your, your stance on Sam is, you know, is highly critical and, and you justify it. That's the, the but, but setting that aside, the, um, the, when you play a clip where he, he's saying, you know, I extend charity to, I would be willing to, you know, acknowledge that Hitler 
have made a good point. And then immediately mm-hmm. kind of saying we have to disregard anything that comes from the SPLC because it's captured by wokeism. And yeah. I kind of, like, that's an obvious contradiction. And it's also, it's not necessary because you could be critical of the, you know, the institutions that Sam wants to criticize. You you can take issue with, like, some of the judgments that they make or the things that they say. Right. But you don't have to disregard everything they do right and and they do lots of very good research on like white nationalism and and that kind of thing which is an area where sam has been historically bad so it it kind of feels like he shouldn't be lecturing um like kathleen bellu um when she appeared on a blue yeah thank you um about you know the appropriate way to approach the far right because like History has suggested that she's <laughs> she's more correct than he is on that topic. Oh, it's just so funny to me because I mean these are not laughing matters at all because I I find them quite urgent and quite alarming. But it is almost comical the way that this all plays out. Like people get mad uh, when you know Sam is compared to Trump because he's such a prolific Trump critic or whatever. Mm. We'll talk about that in a bit. But um, do you see there being any parallels at all? Like in the stubbornness and the, you know... With Trump. The being so sure of... Yeah. Yeah. So I I think, you know, uh, we um, between you and I, in terms of our approach to Sam, and, and I know you've been critical of, of me for this reason... It's definitely true that I have, you know, a better opinion, although I share a lot of the critiques. But in in terms Mm -hmm. of whether it's fair to draw specific parallels between, like, Sam and Trump, in terms of... I I think it is legitimate. And I think in the point that you're highlighting where it's a kind of certainty attached to... Mm -hmm. their, Their interpretation is just, you know, that's just the truth. It's just correct, and uh, it's not like Sam has the same complete cavalier disregard for, you know, anything being true that, like, Trump has. He's not like that, but in, in terms of his... No, yeah, even I'm not saying that. Yeah, but in terms of his... I'm not saying he's exactly like Trump. Just, you know, just to be clear, I'm not saying that they're exactly the same level of everything, but I just see a certain Trumpiness in him. No, I'll, I'll, I'll 100% sign off that, like, uh, you know, I had the conversation with Sam, and it was nice of him to come on and have it, and even when it got, you know, quite testy. And I, I do give him credit for doing that and, you know, sticking it out mm-hmm. for three and a half hours mm-hmm. or so. Um, and, and, and I think at the beginning, he made quite a lot of valid points about his meditation app, although, you know, that's not the thing that most people focused <laughs> on. But, um, but the the... The part, one thing I will say is that I've talked to a whole bunch of people on the podcast now, lots of lots of different people, you know, lots of like very intelligent people who have interesting things to say and are public intellectuals like Sam. And uh, I've not interacted with someone who has such a forceful sense that their interpretation is correct, and that if you don't if you don't agree, it's because you're mistaken. Not because you have a different opinion. Or crazy. Or crazy. Well, you get that. I don't get that. (laughs) I'm probably more represented as like having an unhealthy obsession with 
policing his networks and interactions and all of the people he talks to. And, you know, that, that is the way that a lot of uh, criticism gets framed as, well, you're just, you know, who cares that he had a conversation with somebody who eventually ended up to go crazy and that kind of thing. But I, I know you know this, but I'm just spelling out that, like, if I had a bunch of friends that I had conversations with and, and promoted and said, you know, these guys, they, they're on the ball. And in three years' time, 50% of them had become conspiracy theories arguing that the election didn't happen and COVID was, uh, you know, <laughs> a, 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 the vaccines aren't real or don't work and are all conspiracy. I would have serious concerns about my judgment and my social network. <laughs> but that that seems to be regarded as like, by a certain group of people as being you're just being unfair and ha applying a standard that nobody could live up to and like i don't think that's true it's it's not saying you can never interact with someone who goes uh insane right or, or becomes a conspiracy theorist that happens it, like people change but, but not like half your friends or most <laughs> yeah. of your friends yeah and also your what you do after that happens also matters so you know i've, I've given sam yeah. credit for criticizing yes. Brett, Brett Weinstein. I know this. <laughs> I, I, and I, yep. I know that's to the ire of, of many people who see it as like, you know, it's a very low bar to overcome when somebody is a <laughs> an anti-vaccine proponent in a pandemic. And I agree, it is a very low bar, but it's a low bar that many have not managed to jump. They just smacked it and they right. fell over. So... It's it is completely <laughs> true that it's a low bar, but I I am still I'm still happy when somebody is like, no, Brett Weinstein is an anti-vax person, um, and I'm like, yeah, he is. It's really obvious. Like, thank God. <laughs> Hooray! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. You can have the occasional person that you have praised, especially for their intellect and their open-mindedness and their ability to have difficult conversations and their intellectual honesty, which is above, like, most of the, you know, normie worlds. Yeah. Um, and then... They, ha they go like this. And then most of the people you've praised go like this. Like, how many are there? I mean, I think 50% is generous, to be honest. Like, there's Ayan Hirsi Ali, there's Joe Rogan, there's Dave Rubin, there's uh, Majid Nawaz. Jim there's Lindsay. Brett Weinstein and sort of Eric Weinstein. No, Eric, I put him there. Eric, let's, let's throw him in. Douglas Murray. Yeah. And... Um, Peter Bergosian. Gad Sad on the... Yeah. And James Lindsay has also been, you know, promoted and highly praised by Sam Harris once upon a time during the days of the penis hoax or the SoCal hoax. And I mean, yeah, so <laughs> a lot of people were able to see through that back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not that's more than 50 percent. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it depends where you draw the boundaries, because I, I think right. like there are people that also get. Uh, criticisms uh, for like justified reasons I think and, and some that I probably disagree a bit more with but like Jonathan Haidt, Steven Pinker that kind of wing that you know was never really presented at the core of the IDW but was at least associated with it I think they've done better right which is that they have not promoted anti-vaccine misinformation and they have not promoted election fraud and they were happy mm. when Trump lost like these are mm. these are low things for people on the left 
Extremely it's, low, yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but, it's, but it, you know, it, it's kind of depressing that these are still things like, I'm glad to see that in the heterodox uh, space that there, there are <laughs> people doing that. And I, I, I think that, you know, the, the Joe Rogan stuff as well, like, that's been presented as a really complex topic where, you know, there's, there's lots of issues <laughs> to debate and stuff. And you, I kind of feel like it's not, you know, you, you can take whatever stance you want about whether Joe should, like, be kept on Spotify. But most people, most of the critiques are saying, yeah, but look what he's promoting. Look what his content is and, and acknowledge that and then take your stance. You know, but but many people like you did on the episode, uh, they, they don't actually grapple what what Joe's content is or has been for a long time. And they, they kind right. of defend this version, which is very easy to defend, which is just like, you know, it's fine for people to have conversations, including challenging conversations with controversial people. Like, yes, sure, but that's not all he does. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Sam and, and Coleman Hughes kind of presented that, like, you know, if the world was full of Joe Rogan, that would be, you know, <laughs> it would be a utopia. And, like, no, it wouldn't. He's, he's like, defended Alex Jones for 20 years. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, those were some takes. Like, Sam Harris saying that Joe Rogan is the cure for racism. Like, yeah. I mean, it just might be my lady brain, but I can't wrap my head around that. Like, how do, how does someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it 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 is an odd uh, argument to make because, like, I can't. You know, I heard your episode, um, when you were making the point that you know, Sam and all the people had kind of stated, uh, including you know, like black athletes in the UFC who are very, uh, defend mm -hmm. Joe Rogan, like, a very strong mm -hmm. thing. And they, they basically want to say, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't, he's not a racist, he doesn't come across as a racist to me, and his con, you know, he's never treated me like that. He's, I always seem a very nice guy. Yeah. But, but like, you can, I, the bit I don't get is you can, you can take that stance, right? And you can say, you know, that's not, I don't think he's that, the way he's being portrayed. But you also have to say, right, but he did say, that the you know that he was in Planet of the Apes when he was in a black neighborhood, and then he did say yeah. that you know the best combination would be like uh, a black yeah. body and a white brain, and black people and white people's brains are different, and like that's not, right. That's not on the edge. <laughs> Racism, we're like, yeah. well, is that racist or is that just you know a, a joke? Like, if it's a joke, it's a racist joke so exactly exactly you can, you can take whatever stance you want but i i wish that people were saying you know okay so he did he did make a racist joke and presumably he made more of them if those are the only um you know the ones that people are highlighting it's unlikely that he never made any other such joke so but but there, there, there's this like thing where people uh, and you you noted that you know trevor noah had uh, made this point right in the second video or second time that he addressed yeah. it he was like yeah but it was a racist joke right and uh yeah i i i i don't know why that would be hard for people because you could even still issue the defense right you could say i know joe he's not like this he may have said that and it, but that wasn't the take the take was like there is no definition of racism 
that can include yeah. Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. wow. like, tell me, how is that not Trumpy? That's so Trumpy. <laughs> you know, the, the the tendency towards overstatement when it comes to like I'm I may be suffering slightly the opposite direction, but, and I think a lot of academics do where we're, we want to caveat things and we want to say, well, you know, not in that situation or this one, maybe this exception. Oh, well, Harris does that too, a lot, but... He, but he, he does the thing which you <laughs> said, which is he doesn't mind to say all of our institutions are captured or to say there is no universe in which Joe Rogan could be called a racist by anybody's standards. And it, it's like, that's a big... Like that, those are really yeah. big claims, and and when he did, when Sam made that point about the institutions on on the episode where I was or the interview we had with him, uh, I was saying, you know, we, he was talking about wokeism uh, or CRT kind of taking over all all schools, all like primary schools in the US, and then I don't know, you know, the <laughs> curriculums in the US. So I said, but is that is that really? true like is that true and then he switched in like one sentence to say well you know in in, in LA like or private something. schools in Manhattan yes it yeah, is. and yeah. I'm like right but <laughs> private schools in Manhattan are not all of the schools in the US and like that switch from all schools in the US to some private schools in Manhattan it's like that's a massive leap but he you know he just did it in a sentence so i i cannot do that like I, that would be whiplash right for me um, <laughs> so yeah he did this majorly in my conversation with him too and i think if i remember correctly that's the first time that i came across you on twitter is that there was a clip from my podcast with sam that went very very viral like uh i don't know three three years or four years later i think oh. it was like 2019 2018 maybe mm. something like that not not too long ago but uh far enough away from the conversation that uh, it like hit me in the face again so this was a point that I was bringing up to him um, that I thought was like a slam dunk. Like, he's going to see my point because, you know, I used to be at a point to sim similar to where you are, like trying to be charitable and nicer and like having hope that it is just <laughs> out of ignorance um, that he doesn't know these things. And so if I just provide him with the information, he's going to understand, hopefully. Mm. And so th there was this one point where I was like, okay, so Anne-Marie Waters, right? She's, um, she's so racist, Sam, that she thinks if you aren't anti-immigration, you are pro the rape of white women. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's something that she said to me and Mariam Namazi, I believe. And I thought, oh, yeah, Sam's going to be like, oh, wow, that is, whoa. Yeah. You know, instead, he said, uh, yeah, but she's right. And I, I, like, yeah. even in that moment, <laughs> I was, <laughs> like, stunned into silence. So, like, you can hear that there's just a little, like, what? Yeah. What? You, <laughs> like, you, for me... I, I remember that part in the interview where you kind of gasped at, uh, and laughed and saying, what? Yeah. Like, and, uh, yeah. yeah I, I will say that I, 
as I said, I I actually have a similar anticipation, but you know, Sam might take the opportunity discussing with someone that's critical, but of him, but that has you know, like sympathy for I, I, my, I myself, like the co-host on Decoding the Gurus, we're pretty open that we're you know, we're center left people. We're we're not progressive, and like that puts us closer theoretically i haven't noticed yeah yeah i know it's uh, yeah, of course it's it's well, there is a thing where sometimes people present that as if you know have you noticed that chris is you know like the uh like a center left or you know a neoliberal shill and i'm i'm kind of like yeah i did say that <laughs> repeatedly i'm not <laughs> i'm not hiding where my how moderate my my politics are but it, that definitely Puts me, you know. We'll we'll talk about that, but let's finish sure, this. Sure. Uh, I definitely want to talk about that a bit more, but yeah, go on. So that puts me, you know, uh, regardless of whether you, you know, think I'm a center left neoliberal shell or or I mean, a secret neocon, but it, it, in either case, I'm closer to Sam's politics, right, than mm-hmm. somebody that's on the mm-hmm. progressive end, and so it could be the case that you know he could have used the discussion to moderate positions and, and kind of say, yeah. walk back, uh, like some of the more extreme claims and, and kind of acknowledge, for example, that you were correct in your assessment and he got things wrong. And he didn't. And I I will say I was surprised that that was the way it went down. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't have been surprised, um, but uh, I expected in the same respect that, you know, when you highlight some some inconsistencies or some takes which now seem uh, extreme and even at the time were, you know, the demographic projections or the thing about civil war in France. But there are very few points in the conversation I had with Sam where he concedes anything, um, except at the beginning where he's talking about the meditation app and when he, I think it was good that he acknowledged that his interpersonal relationships bias his charity towards people right even though he refused to extend that 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 might make him sympathetic to people you know to a certain category of people because your friendships are not randomly distributed um they, uh, but but that's a very low bar again he was only saying that if he knows someone personally he'll just be like n- nicer to them or hesitate more in calling them out that's right which is like but, not but he did say uh this was before the conversation went a bit more south and became hostile he <laughs> he, he did uh acknowledge that like with majid it's the case that he doesn't want the look Right, like so that right. was admitting willful ignorance because he knows he must know what he'll see if he looks at Matt's yeah. timeline, right. and I can understand that. You know, on a human level, I completely get that. But on the level of you're a public intellectual with a platform, and your argument has always been, you know, ruthless truth telling and uh, willingness yeah. to, you know, offend. intellectual honesty. Yeah, correcting yourself when you're wrong. Exactly. So yeah, that that was um, that was just that was at the beginning of the conversation, but it it that didn't the, there wasn't really any other walking down of points apart from that um, that point, and and so yeah, I I was somewhat 
not somewhat like significantly surprised at the stance that he took and it it probably does mirror the experience that you had like a number of years previously um but yeah. I didn't say I didn't Yeah. It was very deja vu listening and to I that. I didn't have the uh like Amory Waters type thing, right? Like there wasn't that I don't think he said anything that was as extreme as that. Um on Oh, he he did say something. Uh, I'll I'll I wrote it down. I'll read I'll read it out word for word cuz I don't want to be accused of taking him out of context. Yeah. Misrepresenting. Um, but I, I will say I don't like, although I, I definitely am more, you know, charitable towards Sam. I basically don't have illusions about his content or where his sympathy lies or his biases. I don't think I do. And I think that applies to mm -hmm. almost all of the people that we discuss. I'm not, uh, like blind to where their politics push them or the kind of people that they're willing to you know have polite conversations with um, and what that signifies <laughs> so I, I do know that other people you know draw the, the the like lines more in different places than I do and would regard mm -hmm. like myself and Matt from being too too charitable and on like the negative side of even being apologist uh, at time for their content mm -hmm. um, but I, I push back that I think at least we try to uh, flag up all of the the surrounding context that you know that we think is relevant we we're we are like we are trying to extend charity but not at the expense of acknowledging what people are actually doing um, so whether we succeed or not that mm. is what we're trying to do I mean, I did like your Sam Harris conversation better than I thought I would. So, um, yeah, even though he... <laughs> no, I just noticed, I know this is probably a, a, a random point, but I, I had the wrong microphone activated, so probably the sound quality will be better from now. So I'm very sorry about that. It automatically went to the ear pod. So anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do sound much clearer yeah. now, but... Uh, what was I going to say now? Um, oh, yeah, the thing that Sam said on your podcast, uh, well, yeah, so firstly, I was saying that I liked it a lot more than I mm. thought I was going to, because when I heard that you guys had had a conversation <laughs> with Sam Harris, my first reaction was like, oh, God, yeah. like, I, uh, like, I, 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 to, you know, to be fair, I think that's probably the reaction of a lot of Sam's fans as well, because they're not overly fond. Well, no, I, yeah. Of me, so I totally yeah. get that, and that's the reaction that I got in 2016 when I talked to him. Like, I got so much hate, and I thought it was like a fairly pleasant, friendly conversation. Yes, I did challenge him very thoroughly, but I, you know, I, I it was clear that I was still uh, a fan of his at yeah. that point, you know. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting that much hate from like the Sam fans, but it went on for days and I sometimes still get the odd like email about yeah. it. Um, I, uh, but I, I will say that his, yeah, you on. know, the subreddit and that were pretty strongly divided on the uh, the interview mm. I did with him in a kind of predictable way, right? That the people that are more critical 
find it uh, gratifying to have some of the points put directly to him. And others felt that it was mm-hmm. pedantic and, and kind of, you know, litigating mm. Twitter drama. Um, so... Though, if you were doing it with, like, a woke whatever they consider, they would have loved it. The same kind of, you know, yeah. flagging up all the things. And, yeah. And that's what that's what really bothers me, is the blatant hypocrisy and double standards. And being, like, an ex-Muslim who, you know, like, went through that whole new atheist phase and, you know, used to get so much, like, applause and praise from all these people for exactly who I am today, just having different Mm. targets, you know? Uh, Ina is like a no-nonsense, won't take any bullshit from the Islamists or whatever, you know, because I didn't back down easily criticizing the Islamic right Mm. or whatever. Um, And now, because I do the same thing towards the Western right, Mm. It's like, oh, she's, you know, pedantic and nitpicky and into guilt by association. And before it was like, oh, if you criticize, um, you know, Linda Sarsour and her associations, that's fine. But if you criticize Sam Harris and his associations, that's not okay. So, yeah, I've just seen the hollowness so thoroughly and so personally because I'm like the kind of person that they always prop up, like, you know, Muslim women or whatever from theocracies. We're doing this all to help them, and they've suffered through all this. And the way that they turn on me was, like, fascinating to watch. Like, whiplash. Exactly. And I... I think that, uh, you know, you've been pretty vocal on in calling out various ex-Muslim people who who lean into, mm. you know, the kind of embrace of the right wing. Um, and, and, and then mm-hmm. are, are presenting it. I don't even know in, in a bunch of cases if the people are still claiming that they are liberal. I think in some cases they're now, like, identify that you know maybe they'll say the true liberalism is on the conservative right <laughs> but but those people are you know yeah it, even even if and i i acknowledge that this is granting them like a a, a huge degree of charity but even if you accepted that their criticisms of left-wing politics were right it wouldn't make sense that then they would align themselves with the right given what's going on on the right now, right? Like, it isn't like the the right wing, those, you know, there's this meme that, like, people in the heterodox sphere like where it shows them, right, and then it shows the left, and the left is kind of running off in the left wing uh, direction, and their position isn't moving, and then they're, you know, the, the mm. barrier for right wing is, is, like, kind of fading over. And apart from the fact that, you know, this is just what happens with time, like, positions. Time, but the, exactly. But even exactly. the other problem with that meme is that the right stays stationary on the right side, right? Like, as if the right has not moved in the past, <laughs> uh, like, right. 20, 10 years, 20 years. The right has become, like, much more extreme. Like, Trump would have been at least on unthinkable in terms of marketing him at one point and and now he's right. you know too milk toast for some people's standards so it doesn't it doesn't make sense that you know the the people 
talk about their concerns about extremism and uh, like things going too far and then cozy up to the right, like the modern right. Right. And I guess that's why some people prefer to present themselves as politically homeless. But but that's another toxic term because the the if you see politically homeless in the bio. Oh yeah. Speaking of <laughs> yeah. memes, there's that Scooby Doo one, right, where they're pulling off the mask and it's like politically homeless. You pull off the mask, like right way yeah. back. You know, always if someone says that. <laughs> They just don't want to be called that. I'm, I don't know if you've had interactions with the, uh, her or if you, like, what your particular position on, on her is, but... Hey there. Sorry to interrupt the episode. No, don't worry. I'm not here to plug an ad for mattresses or razors or underwear or anything like that. I just wanted to ask that if you do enjoy this type of content and want to support smaller independent creators, maybe you could consider supporting this show. Because without listeners like you supporting it, it doesn't grow, unfortunately. And then I have less time and resources to dedicate to each episode. Imagine all the things I could do with your help. So if you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes, no eaten mangoes, and sign up today. And then you'll have access to early episode releases, patron chats and AMAs, and occasional art giveaways too. Aside from Patreon, you can support this show by sharing it on social media or by leaving iTunes reviews. And now I will let you get back to listening. Like what your particular position on on her is, but I recently had some interactions with Sarah Hader, right? And she ended up blocking me um and, and that's fine you know everybody can manage their their twitter feed as they see fit but like i the things i was being critical for her were were you know basically like leaning into the same kind of conspiracism spiral that you mm-hmm. you know that you would recognize that is extremely recognizable um around you know mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's so so obvious and yet Bringing that up um, and kind of writing critical responses to her was presented as like, uh, I think the way she described it was like being a hall monitor, right? Like trying to police <laughs> the, her takes. And I find that, you know, given, <laughs> given that we've just seen so many people go down that spiral, that if, if there are people raising that point, like, you can disagree with them, fine. But this notion that, you know, it's, it, that that is really beyond the pale, you know, how dare you, you're, you're such a toxic uh, person. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe some things that the critics are raising are, are right. And like, even well, yeah, she's like the hall monitor for what? Islam all the time. I, it's okay when she does it. Yeah, and well, that's I don't I don't even know her content that well, but I just you know it just there were there were clear parallels, but it's it is that thing where I I think if you're calling out people and you know it's it's this kind of good faith bad faith thing where basically any pointed critique 
which is not really, really softly presented as, you know, well, of course, this person is 90% correct. Their, their heart is in the right place and they would never do anything <laughs> wrong. But they might be slightly misled on this one <laughs> point. Like, if you, if you phrase it like that, people will be okay. But if you say you're promoting conspiracy theories that, you know, are tied in with the Great Reset and are like, you know, strongly connected to pretty far extreme right wing things. People are like, that's so impolite. How, how dare you be so rude? And uh, I, I saw, I know this is someone else that, you know, that you've ha had uh, contentious conversations with, like, like uh, Aaron Rabinowitz, but he appeared recently on, uh, what's his face, Glenner, um, Graham Linehan's uh, I don't know what it is, podcast. Oh, I don't really follow what, yeah. what's going don't on with him. I mean, once he demanded that he be on here for a debate, <laughs> I stopped paying attention to I, him. But I, 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 that I, reminds me, though, Chris, let me just say that, you know, I really appreciate how you handle criticism. Mm. And we haven't really gone to the criticism part of our conversation yet, but generally, mm. I have seen you handle it, and I, I do appreciate it, which is why I thought that we could have this conversation yeah. more maturely. You have never demanded <laughs> to be on yeah. here. I, I, I don't <laughs> mind. I'm kind of a glutton for punishment to some extent, but I'll probably regret saying that. But the, in, in the case of Aaron, and I, I'm not going to the issue of defense of his debate bro tendencies but i i wanted to no but you know be yeah. careful you're getting yeah. into yeah uh you know i the yeah you know. territory where i'm going to get um, hate yeah, for I'm, it not, then, I'm not gonna so. i'm not gonna <laughs> at, at the whole step in the, that arena i don't want to like for you or or, or for Aaron. and i but I, I i just wanted to point out that when in that conversation he had with graham linehan and co um, and it was, you know, about over trans issues. Uh, at the start of the conversation, Aaron kind of made this point that, like, uh, people are promoting, uh, you know, a moral panic and they're sharing content, which is, like, pretty extreme, um, and whether they know it or not. And they asked for an example. And so, uh, Aaron said, OK, Graham was sharing uh, this article written by a woman who has, like, promoted a whole bunch of, like, far right anti-Semitic tropes right she's like a her, her content is full of anti-semitism and and they got like so offended at him referencing you know that they were anti-semitic and it was like no he he just said to you that you are sharing someone who promotes anti-semitic content and isn't that you know doesn't that say something about your standards and you know maybe that you should be more discerning he hadn't even you know issued a forceful critique but the reaction was one of like oh you're such a bad faith operator you're trying to poison the well you're saying and they were the ones that had asked him you know well, give me an example where we have done that and it, I, I find yeah I, I find that kind of reaction like setting aside Aaron and, and the whole situation around, you know, the Linehan podcast and whether, you know, whether it's okay to debate them or not, the, uh, that reaction to pointing out, when, when people ask you, give me an example and you give the example and then they say, oh, you're so obsessive, <laughs> you, you know all these examples and you're like, you asked for it, you know, 
you can't do that. Yeah. And it, it is a really common two-step shuffle amongst uh, Sam's fans, heterodox sphere people in general. You can mm. only be ill-informed or obsessed. There's no well-informed. Well, exactly. Either you have not heard enough of their content to know what you're talking about, or you're obsessed with them, and you should listen to less of their content. You just there's you no can, yeah. there's no winning. And when they ask for examples, you can provide 500 of them, which is why I've honestly stopped engaging. I used to. Like, talking to you is a little bit like talking <laughs> to myself, like, a few years ago. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. That's all uh, right. That's all right. Everything that you're describing just reminds me of all the criticisms that I used to get from the same kind of crowd and how hard I try to be patient and engage in these conversations and be very, very charitable. And it ultimately was useless. So I just, I honestly got really sick and tired and I just don't have the patience for it anymore. But, um, yeah, like I saw your tweet with, uh, about Sarah Hader and how you thought she was a sensible person and (laughs) how she blocked you. And it uh, gave me a chuckle because, uh, yeah, yeah, I went through that also. Um, it's, uh, I, I think there is, you know... Uh, and so the difference is, though, this is pre-2016. I think things were less obvious. Sure. And why I think you're too charitable, especially now, is because things are far more obvious mm. now in the post-Trump world. Like, the fact that you thought Sarah was sensible or moderate, I can't remember what you said exactly, but <laughs> that alone was uh interesting yeah and i i'm i'm possibly falling into sam's uh defense here but i will say i don't know sarah's content like i i I actually i i when i say i haven't done like research on someone i actually mean it like uh right right no i i believe you um but so i don't know her greatest hits and it could be that you know, they that I I would not find them uh, that different from you know Bogosian or or similar people, but I uh, well they are presented with a more moderate veneer. I will grant that, but they are sort of Sam Harris ish, where she will say quite concerning things. I get that though. I be seen as the moderate. So there's an ex-Muslim called Yasmin who just blurts out like <laughs> yeah, horrific yeah. things pretty openly yeah. and um uh, yeah people can see through that much more easily yeah. but sarah will defend her i think i would flatter myself although I'll, i'm sure ali crow on that that there isn't there aren't anyone that i can really think of who has dramatically surprised me in their you know, dissent. There are things where I'm, I'm like, I think I genuinely didn't think that people would go that way. Like, I, I always thought Jim Lindsay was bad. I didn't think he would be at the point hmm. of saying, you know, they all are just wanting to make us eat crickets so they can kill off four billion people. <laughs> like, that was a fast spiral from from where he was. And it, but it was, it wasn't like it's completely 
unpredictable from his earlier content, right? Like his earlier right. appearances were very bad wizards or, um, you know, the I Don't Speak German podcast yeah, covered some good. early interviews with him. And he, he was never, like, he was never good. Um, he just was not where he is yeah. now. Um, but the, the issue about, like, people cloaking things in moderate takes and yet still... Mm-hmm. You know, fundamentally saying very similar things to like what Ruben or or more extreme people would say. Yeah, I I think I'd like the first thing I would say is I completely accept that that's true and that it happens and that uh, it's very frustrating to deal with people focusing on the form as opposed to the content of what people say, right? You know, we, Hmm. on our podcast, we've talked about people issuing strategic disclaimers where they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll outline something extreme and then they'll add in a one minute caveat. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. undo the extreme part, just to add in a a throwaway caveat. And uh, I, I, so I, I take that that happens and I, I like to think that I'm sensitive to it. And I'm not going to claim that I'm perfect in the uh, in detecting it. And in the case where I don't know someone's content, it's more likely that I'm going to make mistakes. Hmm. Um, and I I would also add that, like, say, take someone. I think someone that probably we disagree on would be like Steven Pinker. Right now, I know what Pinkerite has outlined in terms of Steven Pinker's defense of race and IQ people and uh, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Brendan O'Neill reason thing where he went around, I don't know if it was more than one event or not, but, you know, talking about the alt-right and the people attracted to it and so on. Oh, right, that one. Yeah, yes. and, and also... His political correctness, red-filling yeah. America or something, what I believe. I also know about, you know, his references to... Steve Saylor and his material and and those mm-hmm. kind of things and so my my stance on Pinker and he has some shady like um, references in his books uh, of downplaying rape where he cites some I can't remember the exact examples because he's never really been my yeah. focus I forget who it was Christina Hoff Summers or someone very MRA kind like to to downplay yes. rape and now. I, and that I found very troubling. I find a lot of the criticisms that people like level at Pinker and at his uh, like his work, and also the Jeffrey Epstein oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, defense, defense the, the letter yeah. that he wrote. So like, yeah. I I don't want to obscure those or to say they don't matter. They you know they're just minor, <laughs> just just minor issues. They're they're not. Right. But I I do think that you know someone like a Pinker or. Height, although with height again, you know, <laughs> there's there's been some. Uh, he, he, I think he was going down a more extreme route and has kind of like turned back a little bit from where he was going when I heard some interviews with him. But I I know Pinker's academic work as well, and um, that's like where I first came across him. Obviously, his popular books, but also his academic articles. And you know, I uh, in in those contexts, I think. I also have an understanding of like what the parts of him that are good are and like which parts are, 
you know, his political takes or his willingness to automatically assume like the Quillette version of the Noah Carl story is correct. These are all things that like, I, I don't want to obfuscate. I don't want to say they're not uh, important, but I will say that like, I think it's possible for people to have, you know, a positive opinion about aspects of Pinker's work or agree with him, you know, generally in a kind of Hans Rosling way about, uh, you know, the, the, the stretch of history bending towards that more people are living longer and happier lives overall across the stretch of history. Like, yeah, sure. The, the, so For me, the thing that disturbs me about that most is to what end he's putting all that like he obviously has a political purpose for saying that right and that ends up seeming to me like stop complaining about bigotry and stop complaining about you know stop pushing for progress yeah if so that, that didn't seem to be tied in with that i think a lot more people would be more yeah receptive. and so i think that's probably where the difference comes if you see pinker as being primarily about that uh, political a, a status quo warrior yeah a defense yeah yeah I, and you know i've seen the nice little cartoons that people made about you know uh like war-torn uh conflicts or whatever and pinker popping right. up saying you know on average the, the lifespan has increased yes and exactly. there's a legitimate there's like like there's plenty of legitimacy to that but i i think that point that you made about you know whether you judge pinker to be fundamentally about like wanting to justify the status quo as opposed to primarily being an academic who you know wh who, who thinks that the data supports this interpretation i do think that colors the way that you see him and interpret him and i i think that i take exception and probably where we like i i think we would have this agreement more is like when I see people like Nick Fuentes or Alex Jones or even like James Lindsay and Bogosian and, and so on, I I don't just recognize them as like the that Pinker and Height and so on are in the exact they're they're basically in that exact ecosystem with those people and they would endorse those views. I I see like graduations that are in well, no, I wouldn't say that, that, that yeah. either. So, like, I, well, I, that 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 he is the same as Nick Fuentes or Alex Jones. I mean, it's a spectrum, and it is an yeah. ecosystem, and there are like there are like you know concentric circles yeah, or so whatever of extremeness. And in, in my case, then is you know like the Becca Lewis, um, the the what what yeah. was that called? Like the. You influencers network, alternative influencers network. Yeah, I know what you're the talking about. The report she did, where she kind of, yeah, I, you know, it was really good report, showing these linkages about uh, YouTube appearances, and you know, there was mm -hmm. Sam Harris was in there, and so were uh, various other people, Jordan Peterson and whatnot, right? Who reacted very badly yeah. to being linked to these uh, like more extreme right wing yeah. networks. And my my case. And that report is not in any way similar to the people that would say that was all guilt by association. That's, you know, that's invalid. Like, no, she's mm -hmm. highlighting very real um, connections and, and the network that 
that if you are in that space and if you are someone like Sam Harris, instead of reacting with like, you know, bile and, and, and basically attacking her scholarship and, you know, saying that it's, you know, guilt by association and it's kind of like the conspiracy diagram. I think the reaction should be to say, okay, I don't agree with these people. I oppose what they're, you know, want to promote. So if I'm in these networks with them, I'm going to expend effort now to explain quite clearly why I'm not on board with that. And it does concern me that lots of people uh, don't seem to care and they seem more concerned about, you know, saying, well, that's just unfair and that's mere by association. And I can, I can actually, I can give okay. an example, which is like from before any of the thing about like decoding the gurus or that kind of thing. I wrote an article um, back when the Cambridge Analytica uh, event happened um, about the, you know, the hack of information. And, and basically I was familiar with some of the tools because of my research um, that, and, and the presentation of what occurred and what was involved in the data breach in the popular media presentation and kind of the general discourse was really wrong. Like it was, it was a cartoonish mm -hmm. version. And I wrote an article that like went viral about, you know, some, some silly headline, like nearly everything you've read about the Cambridge Analytica thing is wrong. Right. And, uh, um, but when that article came out, it started being shared in part by people on the like right right the brexity types because it was useful for them mm. because they want to say yeah all these people saying we use these nefarious motives you know or these means but actually uh, these things aren't effective and you know there's no there's no evidence that cambridge analytica can do what it claims it could do it was kind of marketing pr but when that happened i saw those takes i don't agree with those people or their politics Dominic Cummins shared it on his blog. So what I did mm. then was I wrote another article like saying, okay, let me clarify because, you know, this is mm. being promoted. I want to make clear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I felt that was very important. And then I went back to the original article and put at the top of it, you know, here is a link to a follow-up about, you know, yeah. points I want to clarify and, like, responses to criticisms and whatnot. And and that, to me, seemed like an obvious thing that I should do be because, you know, my article was being used in a way that I don't agree with politically and, and wasn't yeah. accurately representing it. And I it didn't make the article wrong, but I felt like it's really important that I do that, uh, not to be, you know used in a way that I don't agree with. At least I can say outright that I think these people are wrong and and the the problem is not, you know, this is not to argue that the Brexiteers are correct. And uh and yeah, yeah and I, I do find that there's a lot of people in the you know, even the better end of the heterodox pool who seem to regard that as irrelevant right like they they don't need to explain anything about why they praised steve sailor they just agreed with him at this one point. right 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 and i have done similar things as well because being an ex-muslim you know if i ever said anything about islam or hijabs or niqabs or any of that and it got 
used by, you know, the wrong people, I would immediately, obviously it's not the same situation, I'm not an academic writing an article, but I would also clarify, like, you know, I do not support the way in which these people are talking about it, and I disagree with them, and that's not my politics. And I also found it very important to clarify that I am not to be used on the side yeah. of that. Um, I, I, just just to be clear as well, those were articles on Medium, so they were not they were not like oh, uh, okay, okay, peer reviewed right, right. papers, but the. Uh, they were they were basically based on the fact that like I had familiarity with doing online data collection and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that like you know mm -hmm. whenever there's a tech story that's covered in mainstream media, it's always like insane the way it's 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 presented. But it's uh, it's it was a frustration I think that had a point because like my my main argument was like what the Brexit people did was that they just did good old fashioned like xenophobia and misinformation they didn't need yeah. these like super you know high-tech tools you, mm -hmm. all they need to do was have nigel farage stand in front of a poster with lots of brown people um and and mm -hmm. that was what they did they did so the focus on the you know on targeted uh like psychographic ads and stuff it was it was just like misleading to what the actual problem is and the problem is like racism and xenophobia that was that was rampant. Mm. So yeah. So how does that link back to the Becca so, Lewis yes. thing or Pinker? so the point what? with that is that I I don't think that I see a lot of the people who I'm arguing are you know more reasonable or that I think there's important distinctions who react very negatively to these parallels and connections being drawn and dismiss them as like guilt by association. Or mm. kind of unimportant, or that, like I said with Steve Pinker, right? While they do them, yeah, themselves for the other side, but yeah, yes, they definitely do have double standards with it. You know, Linda Sarsour, look who she's connected to, or Jeremy Corbyn, look who he talked mm -hmm. to, and so on. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't mind people doing that. I mind if they only do it for one, uh, like people that they agree with, and mm -hmm. then say it's invalid if you. Uh, uh, or people they disagree with and then invalid the people they agree with but I so I'm not I don't want to make the argument that like I think all of the people that I would ad uh, have more sympathy or more time for their positions that they don't engage in that kind of demonization of, of critics or of people highlighting connections to right wing material um, but I think that my view on that is that those are defensive people who don't want to look at that and who, you know, they themselves are people who always vote Democratic. They don't have sympathy for the far right. I, I think in the case of like Pinker and stuff, that's true. So they just assume that, well, because that's their views, that they wouldn't be, you know, endorsing um, like far right rhetoric. And if people do it, that's that's what the people are going to do anyway but when he says things like um political correctness <laughs> is red pilling people and getting them to turn <laughs> into nazis or whatever that's not necessarily direct sympathy that he's like oh you know i love nazis but he is yeah. finding an excuse he is blaming what what we call wokeness yeah. now you know this is now a few years old um 
for turning these people, you know? And that's the true problem. And that's what Sam did, too, when Trump was elected. His episode was just about scolding the left for pronouns, for Halloween costumes being called yeah. racist. And that's why you get Trump. And you can't blame these poor people, you know, for voting Trump. It's like, what? This makes no sense. So I guess the point that I would raise there is like, you know that stupid article that came out uh, recently that did the rounds in the online discourse about like which color emoji to to use. <laughs> yes, right? yes, now, yes. Now, uh, the takes that I saw on that article were universally, doesn't matter, you know, progressive, moderate, heterodox, wherever they were, mm. were that that is a like a kind of stupid waste of time article at this time, right? Mm. Like that's not the issue anybody needs to be concerned with with everything that's happening right. in the world at the minute. And, and, and so I can see and I have sympathy for the people that say, okay, when they see that kind of thing, you know, they get very, uh, they think, oh, this is liberal elites, like wasting their time and, you know, we have real issues and they're debating which emoji like, it's okay for people of different ways to use. But really, how many people are debating I that? Know like, okay, if it was a real issue and you actually heard people talking about it all the time, then maybe. <laughs> yes. So but I don't think you can put racist Halloween costumes in the same category because you can have pretty racist Halloween costumes. But yes. They, I, I'm, color emojis are not really a th it's not, an important thing at all. It's not a big topic on the on the progressive yeah. side of things. That, but no. So these articles are written as clickbait. They want to generate those outrage clicks. Yes, they do. Like that's what I think I, at least. I, I I do. I also agree. You know, there's a that, that's the point because that article. You know, the other one that um, I think is, a you know, the gift that keeps on giving for the right. And this isn't exactly the same because it wasn't originally published as clickbait, but like... Don't say glaciology or feminist. Yeah, I was. You know it, right? It's feminist <laughs> glaciology. If I have to hear about that fucking paper one more time uh, as an example, right? If it was so common, why do they always go for that paper it's been years who was it common amongst though it was only the right going on and on, I know. And on about it i know I'm it's like man spreading too yeah that's it's only the right that talked about that yeah it's annoying when some dude comes and sits next to you on the subway and opens his legs really wide but this is not something that i dwell on right. often or talk or talk about or think about even it's god sad that thinks about it i know and so the part i want to say is like okay so if we take that right that there are there are definitely things which appear in like the media ecosystem whether it's for click clickbait content or because of like people just having very strong views about very minor issues but those so those exist and then exactly what you're talking about happens which is when that article comes out what should happen is an article get published in slate or vox who cares it just you know feeds into discourse mm -hmm. but what actually happens is the right-wing media gins up all of the heterodox sphere amplifies it starts drawing these ma yeah. large, huge things, and that article will end up being referenced for years now, right? It, yeah. it will become a paradigmatic example 
Um, but the thing is that that does work as a recruiting tool for the right because I think a lot of, and it is used cynically, right? In the same way CRT, the outrage over it is being really clearly used as a, you know, a wedge issue by the right in order to push a whole bunch of their yeah. agenda. But but it works. And I, I think that's the bit that uh, I I see that like Pinker and Height or the the people that would, you know, be critical of wokeism, Sam included. But that's because they are helping recruit people by yeah. propping this shit up. But I will say, though, when, when I looked at this feminist glaciology, um, I mean, I couldn't access the paper I've read because it. I'm not an academic. <laughs> but uh, I, I uh, read some articles about it. And it sounds to me like it was really just about, I think maybe they gave it like a title that was meant to get some attention, but really about maybe more women's yeah. perspectives in, uh, I guess, the flooding and things that happen when there's disasters related to melting glaciers or and the women perceive it differently and react differently when they are trying to rebuild their lives and their homes yeah something we, like that if i remember correctly and that doesn't sound so ridiculous as you know it it's made to sound yeah and i i, I agree because like so we actually covered the feminist glaciology paper quite a lot on the next episode that we'll release because james Lindsay. we did an episode on james Lindsay and michael o'fallon <laughs> and they won't stop talking about it it's like right. there's 30 references in their confidence. Oh, and so we, we're not we're not addressing that in is this paper, you know, ridiculous or not. We're addressing it in the way that they're using it and they constantly use it, right? They're always saying there's all these examples like, you know, that feminist theology paper. And I've, I've seen uh, people like Jeffrey Sachs, for example, examine the paper. I've read it. And, you know, it's... It's, you know, mm. it's a paper, and if you take the charitable read of it, it's a paper arguing what you're kind of pointing out. You know, the field of glaciology has been dominated by men. There are per perspectives from women and also indigenous perspectives that, like, uh, we should we should pay more attention mm -hmm. to. And there might be parts in it where they go too far, right, like that where they, they make a thing which at least I would disagree with about, you know, how how on a similar footing we need to put different types of analysis but like regardless of whether you agree with it or not it's just it's a feminist paper looking at an area that has been male dominated and then the actual like that that uh, the way that James Lindsay and and I'm, I think I'd, I put Sam and, and people that I'm uh, like and I'm, I'm more sympathetic to like Pinker and Height than I am to Sam, but that the way that they use it as well is to kind of suggest that you know at the United Nations when we're discussing climate change that there's all these scientists there trying to do their work you know talking about ice cores and then the postmodern feminist uh, you know neo-Marxist will come into the room twerking and demand that an interpretive dance. Be, be treated the same <laughs> as the, the data, you know, from the ice cores. And it's like, they, I mean, they literally say this, and that's obviously not true. Nobody is saying that. They might not, I mean... <laughs>
Okay, so if someone is stupid enough to be recruited by this, they are halfway yeah, there they- anyway, don't you think? Like, if you are, if you change your politics because you were, uh, you know, told that your Halloween costume is distasteful, or rather than think about whether maybe it might be or not, or if you were upset that someone had pronouns that you weren't used to, or if that's going to make you change your politics and elect an absolute moron like Trump, then you were halfway there. You can't be blaming wokeness. No, and I, for this. I agree. Like the the people that vote for Trump, they own that on their own conscience. It's not other people's fault. You did it, and uh, the uh, I I take that stance. Yeah. I don't have the view that you know uh, humans are just like automatons being pushed around by you know they they, they can't see through things. What makes this worse is that they used to argue the opposite with. Islamists, right? When people would point out, like, you know, there's multiple factors. Yes, of course, ideology is one, but also, like, you know, economic and political circumstances and things, they'd be like, you know, the left is just making excuses and as if, you know, jihadists and Islamists don't have agency and just because, you know, uh, something bad happened in their lives a little bit of islamophobia and they're going to turn into islamists and it's like okay you know those are bigger things than being inconvenienced by someone's pronouns or like you know having your halloween costume criticized and those things they were not willing to even think about yeah i mean i i discussed a little bit with sam right the debate that he had with scott atron about the role of ideology in motivating extremism and like i'm i'm Mm. i'm published in that literature and doing research uh on it particularly in indonesia at the minute and like the the view you know, it's yeah. it's a similar thing where like I, I this was one of the extreme statements that Sam made in the interview that like shocked me was whenever we were discussing that and I was trying to point out to him that like he emphasizes ideology almost to the exclusion of everything else. Mm-hmm. But in in scholars, including Scott Adrian, who he had disagreements uh, with, they they don't argue that ideology is irrelevant. They just argue that it is like one component, right? Mm-hmm. And in certain cases, like maybe Western mm-hmm. converts, it can be a more significant factor. But in in a whole bunch of other contexts, the the like socio-political arrangements of the society are hugely more important than the ideological sympathy. And when I thought that is a relatively uncontroversial thing to say, you know. As well as ideology, we need to consider other things. Mm-hmm. And Sam's thoughts. At one point, he said, "You know, in some cases, there might be social or political factors that are relevant." And I was like, "In some cases, in all cases, right? Like, there's there's no human that doesn't live in a <laughs> context with like you know social forces and politics around them." But like, yeah, it it speaks very much to his view. That, you know, religion is about ideas and beliefs that are bad, that motivate actions. And and if we can address the ideas and kind of, you know, correct the ideas, that we can undo it. And I think his view about the far right follows a sort of similar thing where he's like, if people are not saying that they outright endorse the ideas of the far right, 
that means that, you know, they're not. Because if they were, they would say that that's what they believe. And, like, that's a <laughs> really naive view about how people work. And it's also, you know, if you looked at the alt-right, if, if you even look at just the modern right, I understand that Sam and other people like him are worried about the over-application of, of dog whistles, right? They're concerned that people are doing false positives to detect Nazis. Yeah, but the cases that they're worried about are, like, ludicrous. Like, Tucker Carlson, you know, asking if diversity is our strength or not uh, in a very yes. troubling context. It, it, um, so, there, there, but there should be, like, uh, it feels like there's surely... A more sophisticated and and just like I think an approach that you people can endorse whether they're progressive or they're uh, like milk toast liberal or even con, you know moderate conservatives that we can all agree when we look at the political environment now that you know like Sam has talked about that Trump press conference and right and said that he he did condemn oh, yeah, yeah like people sides, on both sides yeah. and and this is a a, a common trope, right, where the right-wing people will play this video where, out of context, I understand that it looks like, oh, the media didn't report on Trump, you know, saying, look, the, he said here very clearly. But if you if you just dig a bit deeper, the I mean, even the bulwark, I think, like a right-wing outlet has published that. No, like the context actually makes it worse because <laughs> he highlights that he knows the specific group um, that had a permit or whatever and like there was only one group um, that that applied to and it was an extreme group and like you, you don't even it doesn't even mm -hmm. matter the specific case because Trump has so many times illustrated a willingness to you know a, a lack of willingness to condemn the the far right in like in non non you know kind of both sides in terms so I I completely agree that the heterodox readers and Sam in particular is just very bad at like factoring in that people don't always just come up to you and say, yeah, I'm a white nationalist racist and I want an ethno state. <laughs> like some of them do, but, but, but most of them don't. <laughs> Whereas Islamism, you can speculate about all day yeah. long, you know, and talk about the concentric circles and how that's feeding into the more extreme and um, yeah, but white nationalism, even if the guy has a manifesto called the Great Replacement, you just really can't be sure. Is it just trolling or is it uh, sincere yeah. ideology? Yeah. It, it, um, it, it, yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate you pushing back on it, that uh, quite a bit, it, but yeah, to... Yeah, nothing, nothing it, came it didn't it. seem to make much of a dent. I, so I was, I was curious, Ina, that you know, aside from the the tendency that I might have to like overextend charity to to people that are undeserving of it, is there other aspects about like what we do on the podcast i'm not gonna have expected that you put yourself through <laughs> you know the the multiple <laughs> hours but from what you've heard are there things that you think you know that we do on the podcast that are you know that are bad or potentially like harmful or 
is it is it is that the primary like thing that is of concern um no there's a couple more things but i just want to wrap up the sam stuff first and then i will oh yeah sure happily dive into that with you um so the one thing i wanted to first quickly address was it was how it was interesting that you know sam the ultimate steel manning champion brought up several people and just dismissed yeah. them without backing it up yeah. at all myself included um though i think when you brought me up at all uh that's uh, i wasn't like surprised let's just say because it's not the first time yeah. he's just said i'm crazy or mentally ill and um that's not a very good look like i mean you can absolutely think that about me but at least you know bring something to the table yeah. why are you saying that right just because i criticize you because that's what it ends up looking like when you don't yeah. back it up and um with christian i know you got into a bit more detail um but he said something pretty ridiculous there too <laughs> he said if you read between the lines christian is sending me threats of violence oh, yeah. if I edit my own podcast, right? So I asked Christian Picciolini what the hell he said to him. And this is what Christian said to me. So I just wanted to read this out. So he went and looked through his email because he didn't remember and he wrote back. I just looked and I have only three emails from slash with Sam. And this is the closest thing to fighting words mm -hmm. I can find. Quote, you don't know me, but if you did, you'd know I never stop fighting when I have truth on my side. You are covering for racists and throwing me under the bus. You will end up on the wrong side of history here. Mm. Cheers. End quote. Does that sound like a threat of violence? <laughs> Only... If you really read between huge lines, <laughs> like uh, no, it doesn't. To be clear, there's like that seems like a really straightforward, you know, Christian defending his take by saying like he thinks it's true, and here's why he thinks it's important to say that. So, yeah, if that if that is the worst <laughs> that Christian has in that. It, exchange like yes that would be remarkably uncharitable to interpret as a threat of physical violence right and it's just not something you say like that on a public platform unless you can really yeah. back it up and it surprises me how often he does that kind of thing yeah Especially considering how much value he places on steel manning and claims that the left no, does not I, do that. No, I take that point. And I also, you know, think that in those kind of situations, like in in the position where I'm in, I did, I do remember him saying that, but he, it's also one of these things where like when someone claims that, right, I got a email that was threatening from person X. Like there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you challenge yeah. that? Yeah, and then it's not like he's gonna go away and check the the email, right? And then say, okay, it's like this. So you're you do end up in this asymmetric thing where people can make claims, and there's you know that like 
yeah but from from what christian's account is like that's just a slur but that's the kind of slur that like if it happened to sam that he would basically say the person is you know they're not charitable they're a person who's misrepresenting people intentionally and and so on so yeah <laughs> like i'm uh, i mean i'm glad to have that corrected and uh yeah maybe i can mention it on the the next podcast we record um yeah yeah i think that'd be great i'm sure people you know they don't remember all these details but like that, that i think that's fair because you know that's it was it is quite an extreme claim to make about someone um that they're especially someone who is a former neo-nazi and is trying to like you know uh change that yeah so that could have a really bad impact on his image when he's doing work the opposite of that you know so i mean unless christian is doing this elaborate thing and lying to me i can't say that i've seen all the exchanges between them but this is what christian said yeah. to me uh, you know he he just said that you know he doesn't stop fighting when he has truth on his side like that's not a literal fight he's talking about yeah. um yeah so it was a bit straight like did you feel awkward like when he said things like oh she went a little crazy or Mehdi Hassan is like as dishonest an interlocutor yeah. as I've ever encountered on the planet so the like do you did you feel like you wanted to say something uh, well yes or no because I mean the thing is with that that I like I noticed when Sam took digs at people right I can't remember I think he called Robert Wright like one of the most dishonest people he'd ever met and and you know we had Robert Wright on a couple of weeks before and it it it, it, it like those kind of uh, passing denouncements of of people I kind of priced into the equation when dealing with Sam but mm. I I, I had some people on Twitter say, you know, why didn't you ask him to justify those comments? And I, I would push back here, and I think you would know this as well, Aina, that if I ask Sam, okay, what's your problem with Mehdi Hassan, right? What that would invite mm -hmm. is a four to six minute monologue about all of the things that Sam thinks that Mehdi has done wrong. And I, I have some criticisms of Mehdi that, you know, that I think are mm. legitimate, but like Sam would have much more and he would, he would ream out mm. a whole bunch of them in an extended monologue. I wouldn't know the context for a bunch of them. Like I wouldn't be familiar and I mm. wouldn't know if Sam is representing them accurately or not. And then my response to it would have to be, okay, mm. so that's mm. why... <laughs> That's why you think that. And I don't think that's a good use of like time because it's I can't challenge him on his view of mm. other people because he, he could reference like if I asked him about you, for example, he could reference, well, mm. you haven't seen our private correspondence. You don't know what she said to me, you know, uh, privately, which is true. I don't I don't know. So my Sure, but I don't see how you can diagnose someone with mental illness. No, no, no. But I, I mean that if he said that, right? Like, so if if I said stop them and said for you or or Maddie, you know, well, some, you know, you were quite mm. disparaging or casually. Like, why would you say that? He will list reasons, and he'll he'll make 
it, uh, I would say it's very likely he'll reference things I can't check. And then my response will mm. have to be, okay, <laughs> so so that's what you said. I'm mm. sure they have a different opinion. But then I've just given like mm. multiple minutes <laughs> to to like mm. slag someone off in detail. So I I felt in the conversation, and it happened with points that I wanted to raise as well about you know relating to things that he characterized about my position or whatever. That like I. I can't address them all and I don't know enough to push back. So there, there are occasions mm. where I probably should have or I should have asked, you know, more about the context. Mm. But I think people are not, people are like factoring in that like I would raise that issue to Sam and he would be stopped in his tracks and he would say, you know, well, I, I can't back mm. it up. And that's not what would have happened. <laughs> he would, yeah, yeah. it would have been an extended monologue about how terrible you you are uh, based on you know, all mm. these claims and and stuff that they would say oh you know she's misrepresented douglas murray and she's accused me of doing x y and z and you know i think i know most of the stuff that you and him have had uh, like you know criticisms but i'm not encyclopedic so he could reference a whole bunch of stuff mm. that i don't know <laughs> and uh yeah, that mm. was the that was the calculation in my head for most of the conversation was is it worth going down a rabbit hole on this mm. point? And on a whole bunch of points I thought it's it's not because it you know, especially uh, midway through the conversation I was aware that the danger of extended monologues was ever present. <laughs> so um Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, guess, that, I guess you could put out your own like disclaimer, like, oh, I don't, I don't know about anything about that. Like, that's not my view or whatever. Something like maybe I would have done something like that, just so that I'm like distanced from that yeah. ridiculous view of. That's. But no, I can see how you're cornered into a situation where, um, if you bring someone up with him, and then you're like, oh fuck, now he's saying this, and you don't know what you know what he's referencing or whatever so the christian picciolini thing i did want to bring up because i thought that no was that's really um yeah it, it it is and i i i, I do remember him saying that and it kind of like you know mentally just pinging up in my head but also you know being like okay well that's <laughs> that's that's i guess i could have contacted christian and asked him as as well but i don't have any like I've never spoke to Christian, so I hmm. Uh, hmm. it didn't crop into my mind. But 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 I probably should have, um, given the uh, that it's quite an extreme claim. So so yeah, I I I'd mm -hmm. say it would have been a reasonable thing to at least follow up on. But I I honestly, uh, after the three hours, there was a lot of things. That I, <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, to follow and I, up on. I didn't. After that but, conversation, I have to admit that, like, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm not, I, I don't want to, uh, like, focus on this topic for a while. That's me for the next while. Like, I don't, I don't need to keep getting into this. So, uh, yeah, I needed a break. You did try though with the Molyneux point, and that was, I think, one of my favorite parts of the episode because you did. I think try to push back a fair bit and I thought you brought up a really good example when you know he was being all literalist like um, you know 
I asked Stefan Molyneux if he's a Holocaust denier, and he said no. Yeah. So that settles it, you know. And you're like, well, no, you know, is Brett anti-vax or not? And he was like, ah, clever, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he he did. <laughs> it was I was quite pleased with, with like that comparison, but like, yeah, his his reaction was, well, that's clever, but it's. <laughs> But it's wrong for, you know, it's different. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. a completely different category. It was like, I'm not sure it is. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so the, that well, was... Well, and Christian didn't say that he's a, you know, straight up Holocaust denier. Obviously, as Sam also noted, you know, it's, uh, it's a yeah. crime, I think. So he's not going to be so open about it, right? No. And he, what Christian said is that he comes very close, like he said first, he's a, he's denying the Holocaust or coming very, very close to that, Yeah, you know, and I think that gives him some room there because it's undeniable that, you know, it, it is a kind of a scale. It's not a literal, you know, you're either doing it or you're not doing it just like racism. Right. And Sam has this pattern and. Mm. That you can just see that where he's like, oh, I asked Molyneux. And, and to be clear, when he said that he got a legal threat, so many people are like, well, what did you expect him to do? You know, he got a legal yeah. threat, so of course. But he also clarified himself <laughs> yeah, that, that no, wasn't. if it was just a legal threat, he would have told him to fuck off. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not about that. that it's was... that he really felt that that it is not denying the Holocaust to say, you know, it's the fault of Jewish-led communism and all the other kind of fucked up things that Molyneux says in that context. And then Sam went on to explain his views, right? When he was trying to say that he's not tribal. Oh, yeah. Because he's also said that the Holocaust has been brought about, like, in part by Jews. Yeah. Um, and he's Jewish, so how can he be tribal? Because he said that, and I'm going to just read his quote. I'm Jewish. I've written that the Jews are in part responsible for the Holocaust. How how tribal is that? Now that that's part of my denigration of belief of faith-based religion. It's like if the Jews defining themselves as Jews for two thousand years, insisting upon living insular lives among communities that believe antithetical things about God and thinking that it's important to marry within their community because of you know the profundity of their religious beliefs and their unique covenant with God. All of that divisive bullshit is part of the backdrop that gave us the you know centuries of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. So yeah, I'm someone who has, the, who has who has said who has made, made Judaism itself somewhat culpable in giving us the Holocaust. What am I, a neo-Nazi? Mm. What's my tribe? You know, that's pretty fucking extreme. And that's why I feel like he can't call Stefan Molyneux a Holocaust denier. Oh, right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're saying like if he acknowledges that, you know, people making the point about the the amount of Jewish leaders and communist movements in uh, like Russia or Germany that led to you know, suspicion of the Jewish people and and that actually happened. So discussing that cannot be 
Holocaust denialism because, uh, and I, just to be clear, I'm not saying that that actually happened. I have absolutely no idea about the proportions of like Jewish leaders. I suspect it was no higher than the, you know, the general population. But in any case, yeah, he's saying that if those facts, you know, if there's inconvenient facts like that, we have to be able to discuss them and to flag that up as uh, anti-Semitic neo-Nazi trope is akin to like not being able to deal with the actual situation as it exists in the world so he he needs to do that too because a lot of his thought experiments and stuff is mm. orbiting similar grounds right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he's saying that in part the jews are responsible for the holocaust like that is very extreme and disturbing and a fucked up thing to say yeah and i i i do remember like kind of being surprised like why are you doing this (laughs) like it's just (laughs) this is not a topic that i brought up like you know sam what's your view of the 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 holocaust (laughs) um and that was him like digging himself out of a as something else like uh of not being tribal right yeah but that like the part there that gets me that I, I, I kind of feel frustrated about um, uh, with Sam's approach and with a lot of other people's approach, right, is that, you know, it, it's exact. It is there is a parallel with anti-vax stuff, right? You can go to the, there's this good paper from 2011, and it's it's looking at like anti-vax rhetoric in the Web 2.0 era, right? And it's it's just highlighting all the common talking points that you find in the anti-vax community stuff like you know the vaccines aren't safe they haven't been properly tested it's about you know my body my choice all these kind of things it's got a big list about the tropes Mm -hmm. and um it's kind of detailing you know how they're used and so on and when you compare those tropes to what happened now with the anti-vaccine movement around covid it's one-to-one Right, the talking points are almost exactly the same, just repackaged a little bit to apply mm-hmm. to the pandemic. And then when people note those parallels and say, look, I, I'm familiar with anti-vaccine rhetoric, right? I'm a researcher that works in anti-vaccine communities. I've seen this and mm-hmm. this person is promoting anti-vaccine rhetoric. And other people then go, well, no, because he said he likes vaccines in general or you know he's he's not saying vaccines are bad he's saying that you know he Mm -hmm. just wants them to be safe and i i get you know the 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 frustration there and the that the research or whatever feels and also that the people are being naive and it's the exact same parallel with the far-right neo-nazi talking points and the Mm -hmm. um you know the the tropes that you find repackaged in the the kind of like more mainstream versions of it, like your Stefan Molyneux, who are still hiding their, you know, their ideological predilections at that time, you know, to some extent. He wasn't mm-hmm. an open white nationalist to then. To some extent. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but, it, but now he is. Yeah. and But the thing there is that what I often find, I think this is the mistake that like Sam makes and, and others make, is that... They kind of go, like, when it comes with vaccines, they say, oh, 
So you can't discuss like the safety of vaccines without being an anti-vaxxer. Like nobody's allowed to do studies or discuss surveys on the you know the side effects of vaccines. That's an that's an anti-vax talking point. And the thing is that no, there is mm -hmm. a legitimate discussion to be had, right? But that's that's separate from the way that the tropes are used. And the tropes are kind of they they are used in a way that makes them look like legitimate discourse in order to disguise the thing that they're pushing. And it, it feels mm -hmm. like Sam and others are just very bad at detecting that bait and switch because, yes, you can discuss the safety of vaccines. Academics and people developing vaccines do it every day. You know, there's there's a whole literature about side effects and people mm -hmm. discussing that. It's it's in all of the WHO and CDC guidelines if you read them. And similarly, mm -hmm. if you want to discuss the historical events around, you know, the Holocaust and World War Two, there's there's entire fields about people discussing mm -hmm. what led to that and what the societal factors were at the time and so on. And and people can talk about these things with nuance and sophistication. But you can see that Stefan Molyneux is not a historian doing a deep dive <laughs> on the role that, you know, resentment about Jewish involvement in communist movements has. Like, no, he's just repackaging the talking point from mm -hmm. the neo-Nazis. And, like, it doesn't seem that hard to me to spot the difference between those two things. And honestly, why choose that hill? Why, why, of all the people that have spread so much misinformation on Sam's podcast, why is the one thing that he had to edit out is Christian Picciolini saying something about, about Molyneux when he wasn't even bothered by the legal threat? Yeah, and that, like Douglas Murray says a lot of things. <laughs> on, Absolutely, on yeah. Right, and uh, the, a fact check would, would raise the questionableness of all of them. But I think, Anna, the difference <laughs> is that, um, and maybe actually this isn't fair because of the point that you raised about they're kind of being tolerant towards slights directed at, you know, I would describe as people in the right group. But I think part of it is maybe that, People like Douglas Murray, for example, are often good at kind of couching their criticism in a veneer of, you know, reasonableness and uh, like kind of genteel criticism, right? That they're, they're being, you know, it kind of falls into the rational bros kind of trope, right? That hmm. They're just looking at these complex issues and they're trying to discuss them with, you know, rationality and, and rigor and deal with hard truths where they come up. And I think if you presented criticisms... But some of Douglas Murray's stuff is pretty hashtag white no. genocide yeah like pretty straight it up. is it is so i'm doing him i'm like i'm i'm being way too kind because like douglas murray stuff is you know it's it's not dog whistles it's bells and honks like mm. for miles but um the even if you know if you think that murray and i think he does do this moderates his message depending on who he's talking to and he might moderate it a little bit more for sam although you know some of their early conversations are pretty extreme as well but um, oh yeah have you heard on the maintenance of civilization yeah 
Yeah. And oh, what a title, even. I, I, I think you covered it in, in like some depth. So it's, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not downplaying that, but I, I will say that I think Sam and a, and a bunch of people are very susceptible to things being presented. If you add up in the year of, you know, rational, reasonable, debate and criticism and we're just trying to deal with the historical details here that they're not very mm -hmm. good do you think that would be consistent though no like if we try to do that with islam and no you know all its positives i don't think so I mean, but I, yeah that's a good question so i wonder if you had i I'd like I, the answer is probably no because i think ezra klein does that Right, like the way mm -hmm. that he talks about issues is very much like that, and he's sometimes criticized for it. But if there is anybody who could present um, those kind of details in a more, you know, detached kind of rationalist framing, Ezra Klein is the person that would have done that, and he made absolutely no ground. So you're probably correct that it it isn't just a matter of the form; it's the the sympathy towards the general content that matters too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think we can pretty much wrap up the Sam conversation. I think our comparing notes session went uh, <laughs> pretty seamlessly. I think we agree on a lot of stuff. And um, yeah. Did you find that it took you a bit to process that conversation? And did you come out like, cause I know with me, in the moment, I wasn't fully grasping the full level of extremism mm. of some of the things that he was saying in that moment, even though some of the things I was like kind of shocked by. But when I sat back and thought about it afterwards, like it just kind of hit me again and again, like, whoa, whoa, this is mm. this is worse than I thought. Uh, Did that anything like that happen with you? Yeah, but maybe a bit different. So like. Um, there definitely was a decompression because it was like, you know, in total, including material that we took out because of, you know, just like the editing of, you know, general chitter chatter and sorting out things. It was an over four mm -hmm. hour conversation. I don't tend to have those mm. in my daily life and definitely not ones that are, you know, contentious. So that was draining. Mm -hmm. But but mm -hmm. like setting aside the reaction on the day. I think that afterwards, I I had a significant period where I felt quite frustrated about the conversation because I there was stuff there was a lot of stuff that you know I wanted to present uh, particular arguments and I couldn't get to them because mm. of the way that the conversation was structured and I was kind of annoyed at myself that I. I basically had been too optimistic about the way, you know, that we could just have a conversation like we're having now. Mm. We don't need this. I know that feeling. Uh, like set limits, right? Like, because doing that felt like, okay, you know, we don't need to set a formal debate because you can just, people do mm. turn taking and people, you know, it's, it's, it's a discussion. And the way it went was more, it was more frustrating because the format was like an interview with Sam and him responding to some of our criticisms and he came on as a guest. So there's a, you know, there's a, uh, a kind of etiquette involved there about mm -hmm. letting the person speak and, you know, 
not being rude to them, right? Like they, because mm-hmm. they are uh, taking the time to, to talk with you about a thing. But but then in the content, and as it got on, as I'm sure people can hear, I get more frustrated with interruptions and more <laughs> frustrated that like points aren't being addressed and we're kind of, you know, like people were annoyed with me for constantly uh, <laughs> focusing on the issue about tribalism, right? But like if yeah. you actually take the transcript, there's all these parts where Sam says, you know, so you tell me how does that make me tribal? Or, you know, mm-hmm. what is and so what is that? And it's like, okay, if someone says that to you and you think, you know, that you have a, an answer, like we, normal people respond when someone is like, you didn't right. do that, right? And it, But it, it it's kind of presented as if that was just, I refuse to leave the topic. And it, it's more, mm-hmm. it's a two-way conversation, right? Those mm-hmm. things. So, so I felt frustrated with... Uh, the way that the conversation was managed and like that maybe it would have been better to structure it as like a actual debate with you know set time and so on um and then on the other side i kind of uh as i described i had naively perhaps hoped that sam would moderate some of his more the positions that i think are more extreme and and that are, are have been shown to be incorrect, and he, he didn't <laughs> uh, um, really moderate <laughs> the positions at all, except for, you know, I have to keep saying except for the meditation app. I think that's a kind of like separate component of the conversation, but the, mm. um, uh, so... But even that, I'm sorry, but there was a lot of stuff that I didn't quite buy around that, like how much money he said he spends i don't remember the exact it was an insane figure, amount. but <laughs> yeah it didn't again something you can't fact check and again something that doesn't sound entirely truthful yeah. so and was uh it like and that was and this is just a tangent i promise i'll get back to the question because I, I think it's a, a good one but the, there was a point in it where when we were about to finish the discussion on the meditation app i remembered that you know there was a point that we raised which people took as really important where we said like Sam was profiting, you know, like he was giving two weeks, no money guarantee when he said that he'll give the app to anyone that asks for it for free. And, and a bunch yeah. of people that heard the episode were like, Oh, that was a, you know, one of their primary criticisms was like that Sam is, you know, he's just about the money and it was, it's a multi-level marketing or whatever. And I was like, no, like we actually said in the next episode, that was not the primary point of the critique. That was just like a throwaway comment. And so when Sam came mm-hmm. on, I uh, when we got to the end of that conversation, because we were going to get on the more contentious topics, I actually thought, oh, yeah, he mentioned that in the email. And, you know, it's clear he wants to address it. And we didn't actually mean it as a major critique. So, you know, we can start with something nice where I'll, I'll make that point. So I said to Sam, you know... Uh, Oh, by the way, we raised this criticism about, you know, the, the free offer and how it's uh, potentially like, you know, a marketing scheme. And we didn't mean to make that as a major point, but I know you wanted to respond to that. And he did. Right. And he kind of did talked about the things that you're saying that saying, you know, a huge amount of the user base of the app are using it free. And he has to employ um, people in the Philippines, I think it was, to just... Uh, yeah. like to, to answer all the emails asking for free and um, whatever the case mm. of that is 
so one of the things that annoyed me afterwards about the feedback from you know Harris's fans is they were like, well, Sam really took them down on their accusation that you know he was making profit <laughs> and like we didn't make that accusation strong we i brought it up and i actually said immediately after you know that's fine we we completely i've no idea about your finances or whatever and i don't think a primary criticism is that you're you know you're primarily motivated and like profiting from your meditation app like i don't know i that's not a feeling that i've got but uh, in any case it's not a mean criticism but that was taken as you know haha <laughs> they he, yeah yeah he, as everything is he showed yeah. us and uh, yeah that that was frustrating <laughs> but but just so to return and i'll keep it brief about the uh the like the breakdown i i'd say that like as more distance as i got more distance from the conversation uh it it probably did adjust my assessment about sam you know and and where some of his the strength with which he holds some of his positions and to what extent like he still uh holds some of the positions he has i came to view it as well the, i think that that is the only conversation that could have happened if it was structured like that like that's the way it was going to go and maybe if i had talked to other people that had interviewed sam i might have you know been aware of like uh, some of the ways that he approaches things which are not that normal in an interview situation but yeah <laughs> that's the polite way of, of putting it right but um yeah so that that, that was it, it it definitely was an unusual experience and one that like was quite frustrating and uh thing but i i still have to say and you know i i think out of all the people that we've covered on the podcast he's one of the only ones that's came on and like and actually argued things and I, he doesn't tend to do that so i i do kind of acknowledge that he deserves credit for like coming on and and even if i don't agree with the way that he did it he at least did mm. come on and try to answer criticism the same as i would credit him for going and talking to you while disagreeing right with the you know the content but you of see, that interview in both those cases it's a bit it's already clear that it's going to be a friendly conversation it's not truly someone that viciously disagrees with him you know what i mean it's mm. like in both cases i think it was like a friendly space uh you know in my case it was a fan i think i don't know if you would call yourself one and and he knew that mm. so that is why he felt comfortable coming on i don't think he knew the extent to which i would be prepared to challenge him mm. and i think his friends were very upset with him afterwards like dave rubin and gad sad were really pissed that you he went on um yeah yeah uh because it gave more i guess uh focus and airtime to the the things that i had been talking about that these guys are troubling like they're going in a not good direction and uh mm. now had he known you know the extent to which i would question those things the level of preparation and examples that i would have i don't think he would have come on even if you know i was coming from a friendly place mm. and with you guys also you know it sort of began with 
you know, compliments and nice chat and yeah. ended that way also. Yeah. That's so a, and I think that, it benefits him to show that he can very rarely have conversations with people with differing viewpoints, you know, while still knowing it's a safe space. Yes. In our in our case, I think, like, part of the reason was uh, he's friends with Dave Pizarro from the Very Bad Wizards. Mm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Dave Pizarro, you know, suggested it. And he, uh, I guess, vouched for us pretty much as, you know, people he regards <laughs> as reasonable. So I suspect Sam probably mm. doesn't trust Dave Pizarro's judgment of people's character anymore. But, um, <laughs> but th- that, I suspect, was a, a big part of why he was willing to uh, talk with with us um, was because, you know, he does, he, he does have people that he trusts uh, and a lot of it is based on, you know, interpersonal recommendation. So, yeah. Not the right. And now that you've talked to me, he's going to be really pissed. I do know. Um. I did factor <laughs> that this is uh, not going to be received well by, by, you know, Sam Harris fans. But I also factored in that I don't really mind. <laughs> and, and like hmm. uh, Sam, you know. Sam talks to Douglas Murray and and tons of people that I would consider highly questionable. So like I I I don't see any grounds that people have who especially the people who want to complain about guilt by association that it should be hmm. out of the limits to you know to talk to anybody who might have like more than mild criticisms of Sam. So. If anybody has got this far in the conversation and happens to be a Sam fan and is very upset about that, it, it feels like they should know that they have extremely inconsistent standards. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like they're going to be ultra mad that it's me and that you are agreeing with me on a lot of things. And yeah. that's yeah. just. But the, the thing is, you're right. You could talk to Richard Spencer, but <laughs> sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, that's a, the unfortunate thing, Ina, is like, you know, you <laughs> and I might disagree on like, uh, you know, like tone and, and, and there are parts where, uh, and we can talk about them where we'll have disagreements, but a lot of the times, even if I'm like, oh, she's saying that in like a really harsh way, the fundamental mm. point is correct. And and I think <laughs> people should acknowledge that that like you know whether they they like the sarcasm or or not it's it's kind of immaterial because the basic contradictions and stuff that you point out uh, they are stuff that people should be able to grapple with regardless of whether they prefer you or prefer Sam in like temperament and character like. I, it, that's not supposed to matter for the 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 kind of people that tend to regard themselves as Sam fans. So, yeah. Well, yeah, and they did like me when I was talking about you know Islam. So, yeah, with the same tone and the same sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not someone that's opposed to sarcasm as well. I've I've been known to use it on occasion, but mm-hmm. but I I, I mm-hmm. think I'm probably less sarcastic than you <laughs> so that's that's yeah and that's, also that's you're not you know a woman so that <laughs> there is also that really upsets people <laughs> yeah <That's>, uh, <laughs> my internet experience is significantly different and plus i'm irish 
so I get uh, you know, the, there's there's like a degree of charity that the Irish people get throughout their their lives just because of being Irish. That um, mm. it's 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 unfair and shouldn't be applied to Irish people. Because we're... thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian Mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Nice Mangoes. If you want to make a one time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. NiceMangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian Mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. 